BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you consider yourself to be one of the chosen ones or one of the healed ones or one of the light bearers or bringers, whatever, while other people around you don't like it. Now, I talk about this a lot. You know, when people are too close to the light, they get blinded by it. But not only too close to the light, they get blinded by it, they get exposed. Yeah, the right? shadows come out. When, when, you are, when your light exposes you to yourself, right, that's doing the shadow work, right? And what it does is it forces you to grow in yeah. areas that were stunted, right? It forces you to strengthen the areas that were weak. And you're always this person that's constantly growing and progressing, right? That's different than people around you. When you see a person, every time you talk to this person, man, they... Always got something new, yeah. always building something, always growing. They're just more advanced than you've seen them. You see them constantly evolving. Yeah. Why most of society is declining or stagnant. Yeah. So what happens when you come in their environment as well, they're exposing your light as well or your darkness, right? So it's like you don't want to be around a pastor because you feel like he's too holy because it's like, come on, pastor, you got me looking at myself now. Yeah. I'm thinking about all the things that I be doing wrong. Yeah, for sure. So it's the same thing when a person that has that light and that energy around you and that's constantly growing. Now you're exposing them and they feel like you can see them. Right. And so now they get mad at you. And so they want to try to expose your faults. Yeah. They want to try to sabotage you. Right. Because they like, how dare you make me feel like this? You make me feel inferior. But it's not their fault. It's yeah. what you haven't worked on. Yes. Right? And and it's the parts of you that you're not exposing to yourself to build and progress because you decided to be stagnant in your progress. Yeah. And this person says, I won't accept stagnation, only progress, yeah. only growth. So you have to be careful when you're doing work and you're progressing because you're not only shedding the light within, that light is now becoming a flashlight shedding on everybody else yeah. and it can create hatred. Right? It can create jealousy, it can create envy, and those people may want to attack you. 19 keys. I appreciate my pops for teaching me how to be a guy. From a boy to a man, and ultimately back into the natural state of being into a guy. As guys, we're supposed to always move with that higher self. And I have to be able to execute it. Having knowledge is not power, the execution of knowledge is power. Knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave. Because the only real knowledge you can get is knowledge of self.
level. The highest level is ownership. The highest level is power. The highest level is sovereignty. The highest level is higher consciousness. The highest level is we own our own culture. It's at a very high level. Not eye level. A high level. It's time for a high level conversation. We're here for another high level conversation. Peace family, 19 Keys here with another high level conversation. Um, as all high levels, they are pieces to a bigger puzzle. Solving the mysteries of life, you know, revealing the hidden things that weren't given to us or weren't revealed or just reminding us of things that we already know that we should be implementing in our daily lives. Sowing the seeds of knowledge, information, and enlightenment to an inquisitive people. There have been great, beautiful testimonials that I receive all around the world, wherever I travel, of people who have experienced high-level conversations and have talked about the life-changing and transformative experience that they've had with new information, unlocking and relocking right inside their mind, allowing them to change and upgrade into new truths, right? One of the things that I see as a huge issue that we are faced with today in society, you know, and that's always been an issue is the health crisis, right? As we talk about money, we talk about spirituality, we talk about all of these different things, technology, you know, society, politics, for me, all of these things have an effect, right, on the number one most important thing, and that is your health, right? Whether it's the mental health, right, or this your brain health, which are the same and they're correlated. And a lot of people don't think about it, right? I won't tell people nowadays to follow your gut because most people's guts are not right. <laughs> so now I tell people, you know, to heal your gut so you can follow it, right? And most people don't even know what that means still. We are in a race where, you know, the population is at a constant decline in certain areas of the world. The world is getting older in certain places and people are fearing the inevitable, which is death. And in that fear, there is a belief that they can, you know, in what they believe that death is optional, right? That you don't have to die, right? And now, of course, these are of the elite and the rich and the billionaires and centimillionaires that believe that they can defy what everybody else has to experience, which actually gives a very meaning and purpose to life, that this life is just a cycle for our spirits and our minds to go through and to learn the lessons while we're here in life. Now, as we go through this process, some of us, as we gain new knowledge and new information, we transform the way that we see the world, especially when information transforms us. The brother that I have today is a, a brother who has been through the institutions, right, of knowledge and education and gained the degrees and went through the formal education experience and then went through another transformational experience and a new degree of knowledge when he decided to take what he learned, right, and what he experienced and embed them together. And that's going from a traditional education to a holistic education, right? Thinking about things not just from a Western perspective, but also Eastern perspective. Thinking about things from a global viewpoint, right? What I'm seeing is a trend of new doctors, especially in our age, that cannot just stand by the Hippocratic Oath because they will feel like hypocrites, right? Especially to the oath that they take when new information, especially from online, that they're able to intake the same like everybody else. And they say, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. 
And if you're not completely embedded in pocket of the pharmaceutical companies who can get drugs for five cent, 10 cent, a dollar, three dollars, and then go flip them for three hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, ten thousand dollars. Right. Then you don't benefit off serving people death when you really should be giving them treatments for life. Right. So I applaud the good brother today that I have who is not only an enthusiast towards health, but he is an actual doctor and a practitioner. Right. We have the good brother, Dr. Bobby J. Price. I appreciate How you feeling today, me, brother? Honored. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into a good conversation, man. Um, first of all, let's start it off with the elephant in the room. How do you maintain fit? You understand me while being vegan? Where do you get your sources of protein? Because everybody who teaches veganism or plant-based diet is not actually like buff, yeah. right? They, they, they don't actually have a lot of muscle, so I don't ask everybody that. Yeah. But you are specifically somebody who is actually built, yeah. right? So how do you maintain having protein in your diet or whatever sources that you, you know, decide is necessary for you to be able to maintain built? Yeah, so... I, what I will say is at the beginning of the journey, it wasn't like that because, mm -hmm. you know, initially when I went plant-based, vegan, whatever you want to call it, I lost about 45 pounds. Mm. And so I was the weight I was in high school. Mm. Like I got down to around about 180. And I felt amazing, but I didn't feel the strength. And so I really had to go on like a three, four-year journey to figure out what worked for my body. Mm. And what I discovered was it was a combination of not only what I ate, but also the exercises that I was doing. And so I started to incorporate things like quinoa, uh, complete proteins like uh, chia seed, mm -hmm. uh, complete proteins like hemp seed. And I thought that I think those are the things that enabled me to break through and also choosing when I actually digest those things or ingest those things as well, too. And uh, changing up my workout. Uh, knowing when I should be doing high-intensity training versus when I should be doing calisthenics. Those mm. are the things that help me kind of maintain because the idea is everybody wants to look like an athlete. But if you want to look like an athlete, you got to train like an athlete. Right. And so what I find is a lot of people go into the gym and they train like their dad would train. Mm. And so they look like their dad. Right, right, right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, when I go in the gym, like, I play ball in high school and also in college. I'm doing a lot of the drills that we were doing there. You know, I'm doing some of the drills that my homies would do with football. Mm -hmm. um, I'm combining that with a lot of calisthenics, and so that's helping, too. And the body maintains its muscle mass. I think a lot of people don't understand that the, once you, you can train the body. And that body will be trained to that sculpt, yes. right? Even if you kind of jump out of that routine a little bit, that body is trying to go back to that sculpt, right? Like my brother Mike Rashid uh, was telling me, you know, he's big, bulky, but yeah, he yeah. says that he eats one meal a day now, yeah. right? But he maintains his body mass because his body is trained, right, to stay in that particular figure. Yep. Now, it takes time for you to train your body up, but once you do, your body wants to stay in that same state. Yep. Right. It's not. And I think one of the biggest things that take you out of that, because even if you start to exercise a little less, right, your body will still keep up with it because muscle doesn't just disappear. Specifically, strength doesn't disappear. So it's yeah. easy for you to go back into the gym to your same regimen and hit that same workout because it will last weeks and weeks on end. But I think the main thing that I got from that was like and, and this is kind of how I am now when I go to the gym, because 
I recently, you know, found myself fasting. Like it'd be days where I didn't eat nothing at all and just kind of eating, drinking water and a little bit of juice. And I was able to, you know, cut up, you know what I'm yeah. saying, and lean out, but I got stronger, yep. right? I could feel my muscle, right, a lot more than the way I was doing it at first was just eating, 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 yep. working out, working out, working out. And then I will have all these body aches as well because I'm doing all of this resistance training Right. But, you know, number one, I don't think I was stretching correctly. Yeah. But now that I'm eating better. Right. And sometimes eating less, I'm seeing more muscle growth. Right. And my exercise regimen is not as extreme, but I'm feeling stronger. Yep. And that one thing I do is you have to have the muscle under constant tension. Mm. The body is the body is the slave to the mind. Mm. So whatever you tell it to do, it will do but you have to train it to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And so if you're constantly doing calisthenics, like between work, between reading, I'm, I'm getting down, I'm doing 100 push-ups. Yeah. You know, I'm doing jumping jacks and doing squats. So my body is under constant tension. So that's really important. Mm -hmm. And the other thing you mentioned about food is the body has this mechanism that's called metabolic adaptability, mm -hmm. meaning it will adapt. Mm -hmm. Now, the unfortunate thing is the way the, the metabolism adapts for most people, is in the wrong direction. Mm. But you have to put the body's metabolism in such a way where it understands where you're trying to take it. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, if you if you start to eat one meal a day, which I do most days, if the body thinks that it's in danger or there's a famine, because the body doesn't know what's going on on the outside. Right. It's just like we're not getting the food that we used to get. Right. But if the body understands that in that one meal, I got everything I need, and you're consistent with that, then the body will say, oh, so we're getting everything we need, mm -hmm. so I'm going to give him everything we need to keep this routine going. So right. it's really important that we understand that the body, again, is the slave to the mind. Don't make your body the master to your, the master instead right. of the slave. So it's important for that reason, too. No, I think that's, that's, that's powerful. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of, like, big people, right? Obesity is very high in this country. i just yeah. seen that they now add an obesity in New York as a protective class of people, uh, which is very interesting. I think nobody should bully ob obese people, and I think nobody should shame obese people in the sense to where it becomes bullying. Um, but at the same time, obesity is an illness. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, like I said, nobody should discriminate against someone who's obese, like you know, applicants on a, a rent application for, yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. housing or whatever it may be. But this idea that we have this shameless society, right, where the advocation for health ain't the highest, right? Yes. Instead, it says that, no, you know, just enjoy your body image the way yeah. that it is, right? Yeah. But, you know, America is very sick. Right. America is like listed 32 or and when it comes to out of the countries of high life expectancy. No. Right. Our average is so currently around 78 years old. Right. Yeah. And we know that that is even less for men because men are under more stress, which decreases your life expectancy. Indeed. Right. So when we talking about when we look at America and you look at the history of America, first of all, you know, I know you you a big advocate of thought when it comes to, you know, we used to be farmers. Right. Yeah. Now we go to grocery stores, right? There was a time early in this country period where people would have to, everything was local, yep. right? Everything that you ate was local. So it was, you know, indigenous to the landscape that you were in, right? Yep. So you can only eat food in that area. 
And then, of course, the railroad comes about and now food can travel. Yep. Right. So now you're getting cuisines and different dishes and now food is traveling from one place to the next. But they also didn't know how to properly store food. Right. Yep. So now you just had to decide whether you think that this food was good or not by looking at it. <laughs> you yep. know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, and so this is why you get things where you had, uh, uh, I believe it was, was it Kellogg's? I think it was Kellogg's. Was it Kellogg's? The one that lobbied, you know, um, to get the FDA to start regulating food. Now, they did it because they felt like they would have an advantage. Yes. Or no, I think it was Heinz. I believe it was Heinz that did it because they were the first ones to be able to distribute food all throughout America. Like, yeah. people don't think about the food mafias in America. We look at the Chase Morgan banks and all of the other cartels of families, but it's the food industrialists that was able to change the world, yeah. right? And this is one of the biggest industries on the planet Earth, right? Because yeah. everybody eats every day, 100%. right? And a lot of things that would transform and things that we do today are completely just based on capitalists and entrepreneurs. It has nothing to do with health whatsoever. Right. To the American standard diet has nothing to do with health, right? right? Even down to cereal. Cereal is actually a, a, a dessert, if you will. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It started off from granola treatments of patients that were sold to, made by Kellogg's, and he told that to his patients as like a, a cure-all for mental illnesses. Yeah. And then his brother was like, bro, we can sell this to the world, yeah. right? And he was like, no, I'm not going to sell this to the world. This is for my patients. But his brother understood that the average American was so busy and making breakfast was a task because yeah. they had to put all these ingredients together to try to figure out how to make breakfast in time so it would take like two hours. Yeah. So when they was able to package cigarettes, I mean, not cigarettes, but they did that too. <laughs> when they was able to package uh, cereal, Right. Then they was able to now create a quick and easy breakfast alternative. And then they paired it with milk. Right. And now people started eating it. Right. Yeah. And at first, the first one that came out was like called grape nuts because they use grapes as a flavoring. And then Kellogg's came out by accident. You know what I'm saying? Because it was left out overnight and they put it through the machine and it came out in these little flakes. Yep. And he figured he can have a competitive advantage. You know what I mean? Over the rest. So I say that because... We do a lot of things that are inherent now and that are traditions now, but we never look at the history of how they were started. Right. It has nothing to do with your health and that these companies were able to claim anything that they want to. I'm talking about they was claiming that it, it healed, you know, mental illnesses yeah. and it healed cancer. Like these were the claims they was able to put over food. And to this day, I believe those claims are still somewhat inherent in the way that people eat food and think of it as like a wonder. Yeah. Like, oh, this is this. I need this breakfast because it's healthy for me. But it's it's a lie. Yeah. And you. So I'm glad you brought that up because people don't understand how food has been industrialized. Mm -hmm. And when I say industrialized, it went from this whole natural, um, you know, phenomenon of everything I eat is whole foods, to, not the whole foods that we know today. Right. To what we know it as today, when you walk into a grocery store, 90% of the food in the grocery stores in a box bag can with a label on it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that process actually began with the military. Mm. And how that, how that began, because in World War I, what they discovered and learned from it was that one of the number one ways that a lot of the soldiers were dying was from famine, mm. not being able to get enough food. And so what they did was they, they put together all these scientists, and they wanted to come up with a lot of foods that could be able to last long on the 
the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And so this is where you see the first what's called C-rations, which we know today as MREs, mm. or processed foods. And then what happened was after they saw the success of that in World War II, they then took the knowledge and the technology and then gave that to the actual food industry. Mm -hmm. And this is when you see this boom in the food industry in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. And you see all of these products like Crisco saying, hey, you don't have to use this. You can use this. You don't have to be a wife that has to cook all day. We can cook a meal in 10 minutes. Right. And so you start to see the microwave come into play. Again, another technology from the military. Mm. And I learned this when I was living in Japan because while I was out there working at a hospital and being around a lot of the uh, military, I was able to go to one of the military libraries and do a lot of research. And what I discovered was most of the, most of the products and food companies that are developed today they developed when the technology was given to the food industry. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the only downside to that is the unfortunate thing for a lot of our military brothers and sisters, they know that when you join the military, you are the property of the United States. Mm. So if anything happens to you, if you die from anything, like you can't sue the United States right. because you are the property mm. of the United States. So none of this stuff was tested. None of us had an understanding of what this new food was going to do to the population. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing it here 50, 60 years later as an understanding of now it's been this whole test. Right. You know, and the unfortunate thing is there's about 10,000 food chemicals that are allowed in the food and the American food supply that isn't allowed in other countries. I recently did a video where I was explaining to people U.S. foods that are banned in other countries. Mm. So you got Gatorade and Mountain Dew wow. banned in other countries because it has BVO in it, which is brominated vegetable oil, and dyes. You have things like uh, maraschino cherries, which is the cherry you see on top of the, the banana split of the sunny, mm. uh, sundae. Banned in other countries. Why country is that banned? The cherry? Because it has that red, uh, red number 40 dye in it. Okay, yeah. And that's been associated with a lot of uh, bladder cancer, thyroid cancer, kidney cancer, and also allergies. Mm -hmm. Okay, U.S. pork. And I'm sure you guys are like, you shouldn't yeah. have been eating it in the first place. But U.S. pork. <laughs> y'all say y'all love Malcolm. Y'all say y'all love Malcolm, but can't put that bacon down. Yeah, but it's banned in 160 countries mm. because they put um, this this chemical in it called ractopamine in the animal feed. It makes mm. the pig grow bigger. Mm. But it's, it's dangerous for the heart. It's dangerous for the nervous system. Banned in 160 corn, countries. U.S. corn banned in 140 countries because they spray, spray it with atrazine. Right. Atrazine is a pesticide that they did test on it, and they discovered that if you use the right amount, you can convert a male frog into a female yes. frog. Meaning not make them gay. Literally, gender change, gender change bending the chemicals. Gender. And if you look at what's allowed in the water supply, it's mm -hmm. about 3,000 times the, the normal limit that was used to convert that frog into yes. a female frog. And, and, and yeah, Dr. Wesley did a great study about that, you know, when he was giving a breakdown. And, and they're in some water supplies. You know what I mean? You, you really want to do your research and check your local city, yep. check, check Atlanta. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Indeed, indeed. Other foods like, Farm raised fish. <laughs> he laughed. <laughs> <I'm serious. laughs> 
Oh my God! Listen, the water. Listen, water. It you know our bodies, our skin is our largest organ, so we absorb things, right? So when we take a shower and you just soaking in a bath, that bath is full of chemicals. You don't think about it because you can't see it, right? So they're not detectable by your senses, your eyes. You don't feel it. But, you know, that stuff get clogged up on you. The same way when we drink out of bottles, there's plastics that gets into our bloodstream. Yep. Right? So there's a lot of things that we're getting poisoned all the time. And then we go out there and talk about, let's go race for cancer. But it's like our lifestyles are cancerous. Yes. Yeah. And that, the unfortunate thing is, you know, like when you look at where cancer was in the 1970s when uh, uh, Richard Nixon claimed a war on cancer and you look at where we're at today, we're worse. Mm-hmm. And they've thrown over $300 billion into the, the war against cancer, but nothing's... The only thing that has helped cancer in the 1990s was the fact that... You remember, like, all the rappers used to smoke Newports. Mm. It used to be a cool thing to smoke cigarettes. Mm. But they did a campaign where they just essentially urged people to stop, and people stopped smoking cigarettes. That's what's helped the cancer. Right. It hasn't been chemo. It hasn't been... Radiation, it hasn't been surgery because those are the same three modalities that they used in the 1970s. Right. So it's important that we know and understand that the same way they have industrialized our food and now our food is, is filled with chemicals, it's like that with everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's flame retardants and mattresses that cause us to breathe those in and we get toxic from that. There's flame, there's all type of toxins in the air, there's toxins in the water. And so because we don't understand how to get these toxins out of the body, what things to eat, what things to do, how do we stimulate our lymphatic system, we are always going toward that modern medicine modality right. that truly doesn't get us the, the ability to fight cancer that we, we need to. Because everybody in this room at some point has had a cancer cell in their body. Mm-hmm. Everybody. But we don't know that because our immune system is constantly stumping it out without us knowing it. Right. And so it's important for us to know, even when you take chemo, the thing that saves you is your immune system. Mm. You know, because chemo, again, another military invention. Uh, chemo is, uh, uh, is something that, you know, it doesn't just kill the cancerous cells. Right, it kills, kills all the healthy cells. cells too. This yeah. is why you're losing your hair. This is why you can't eat properly anymore. This is why your skin turns another color. Is it's it true that everything. people die because of the chemo? Yeah, absolutely. Not the cancer. Yeah. It's the chemo treatment that they have to survive. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you think about something like that, it's like you think about the amount of people that were diagnosed that, you know, if they try something alternative, they may have survived because the rate of dying from chemo, I'm sure, is very high. Like, I don't know what the percentage is, but you you have a 50-50 chance. You either survive or you don't. You understand me? And so most people go in there thinking death. Right. Yeah. Hospitals are designed like morgues. I talked about this with the brother Yaki is like when you go to a hospital, you, it's not you don't you're not in an environment that you think is about to save your life. Right. It looks just like a morgue does. Yep. Right. There is no life. There is no colors, no vibrancy, no plants, no sound healing going on. Ain't no yeah. sage being lit. None of that stuff. It feels like, oh, I'm about to go in here on my deathbed. Yep. Literally. Yep. You know what I'm saying? A hospital bed is the equivalent to a deathbed because more people go into hospital and die, right? Yeah. So, you, you, like, during the 
C-19 situation, people that was put on the respirators, they had a, a very high chance of not getting off those respirators. Yeah. So it was better to, you know, allow to, to, to practice, you know, open air therapy and sunlight and whatever other remedies that you could at home versus going into a hospital, which decreases your chance of surviving. Yeah. And the thing is, now we can look back what 2020 hindsight mm -hmm. and one of the things that they discovered was that if you had a deficiency in vitamin D, mm -hmm. it increased your, your rate exponentially for having a severe response to C-19. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the African-American population, 80% of us are deficient in vitamin C. And the reason why that's so important is, is this. With some people, the reason why our skin is like this is because of the adaptation to the sun. Mm -hmm. And so when we move from the equator the Caribbean, when we move from Africa, we remove ourselves from that year-round sun. Right. And so anybody that lives above the latitude of Atlanta, you're going to need extra sun, especially if you have melanin, because the thing about melanin, it reflects the sunlight. Mm -hmm. And so as a, as a person of color, as a black person, you're going to need even more sunlight because that's who we are. And so when you start to think about it, why we were so impacted by C-19, it was because... A, we, had, we have deficiencies in vitamin D. And a lot of times, I'll see people who come in and they have a vitamin D level of 8. Mm. Now, that's supposed to be at least 50. Now, they say the sort of the therapeutic level is above 25. But if you look at lifeguards who spent a lot of time outside, like we did back in the days, mm -hmm. because most of the work that we did was manual labor, and most right. of it was outside. If you look at a lifeguard's you know, vitamin D level, it's like 100, brother. Mm. So that's what our, our, our sort of vitamin right. D level should be. High energy. Yeah, so it's, it's really about realigning ourselves back with nature and who we are. Mm -hmm. Because we're so far away from that in the natural sense of things because of the conveniences. I mean, we leave home, we get it directly into a car. Right. We drive into a parking lot. Right. We walk. From a yeah. parking lot into a building. Most of our life, we're avoiding the sun. Avoiding the sun. And then and the children, you know what I mean? They have to go to school. You get an hour of recess. I mean, when I was in school, I don't know what they're doing now. Yeah. Where we were in the sun just for a brief moment of time, then you back inside the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So most of the time, you are housed, right? Yeah. And this is by design, right? Yeah. The American lifestyle was designed. It yeah. didn't naturally occur. Right. It was designed so that the industrialists can form people into becoming workers. Yep. Right. So that because you, you got to think about America in the way that it was formed. And when these these big companies, these industrialists started to make millions and millions of dollars off the American people, they started saying, that, wait a minute. Now that I've built these factories, I need somebody to work in them. Yep. How do we train up these people that's going to be in our factories now that we're making all of this money? Yep. Well, let me go talk to the president, right? Let me lobby them. Let me talk to them about what the curriculum should be. So therefore, when they're going from high school, they can come over here and become factory workers, yep. right? So you have to understand that humans have been farmed for capital, yep. right? And so the human, as industrialization change and the way that, you know, uh, um, the type of business that was being done, right, from the food business to the banking business to all these industry emerged, they shaped America, yes. right, which also shaped the average lives of the consumer, yep. right? So not only were you the consumer of the product, right, you were the producer of the product, yep. right? And so you literally, be, this became like an animal farm, yep. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's exactly what it is. A pipeline. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking pipeline. But we don't really... And this is why history is so important. Like, People focus a lot on nutrition, body-wise. You know, I'm going to feed this particular system of the body. I'm going to feed that system. Very rarely do people speak about the mind. Very rarely do people speak about the brain. The brain needs the most energy, right? The brain is uh, needed to process. The brain is needed to, you know, compartmentalize. The brain is needed for so many things, you know, but we don't know what brain food looks like, you know? We know that the body's electrical, and what I understand about gold is not only is it super conductive, but it's non-corrosive and it's a noble element. So they say that if I am what I eat, I want to be noble, you know what I'm saying? I want to be of the highest degree, and I also want to focus on mental health, I want to focus on gut health, I want to focus on energy, I want to focus on youth, I want to focus on, uh, you know, accessing uh, pineal activity, hormonal balance, everything the goal represents is what I want to see more of. So what better thing to do but align myself with this particular product and get it out to as many people as I can by singing the praise of gold, which is something that our people have been doing for over 10,000 years. I was I was looking at the documentary Food, what is it called? Uh, the Food That Built America. Shout out to Washer Trapper putting me on. And um, it, it was talking about, you know, coca leaves in America, how yeah. number one, Coca-Cola has the only private contract to, you know, distribute coca leaves in America, right? They're gotcha. the largest private yeah. distributor, which is cocaine, right? Yeah. Where, where it's made from, at least. Yeah. You know, and it started off by Dr. Pemberton. Yep. And Dr. Pemberton... Who was a pharmacist. Who was a pharmacist. <laughs> and he was, he was addicted to um, morphine. Yeah. Um, but he was experimenting with all these concoctions and elixirs, you know, and he finally figured out how to take the, the cocoa and the, um, the cola nut yeah. and how to figure out how to put that sugar in it. And he was able to come up with that great concoction as Coca-Cola, but that shit was cocaine at first. And yeah. they had the, the coca wine at first, which was endorsed, they said, by three popes. Everybody was high. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you, you got to imagine, this was normal life where one of the largest distributed drinks just had cocaine in it. Yeah. So you got to remember in history, everybody was high. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, when we look at history, people doing crazy, irrational things like, yeah, they was on cocaine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And everything else that you can think of because these weren't regulated at that particular point in time. Yeah. Right? But his concoction turned into, you know, one of the largest consumed drinks on the planet Earth. But when it comes from a health standpoint, you know, and because we look at it from, okay, his family created Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola becomes his big established name, and it is what it is now. Right? But, you know, what was the effect of the American and the global health impact from that drink, yeah. right? Because it's not a health drink, yeah. right? But when they created or when they banned liquor, right, and they said a lot of times that the liquor was banned and it was pushed even heavier because the wives got tired of their husbands being drunk all the time, yeah. right? So the wives was like, you know, if, your, if, the, if the liquor is touching your lips, you can't touch our lips. That was part of their slogan. So yeah. women was able to help decide that ban on prohibition 
And what came in place of that was soda fountains, yeah. right? So people used to get by the soda fountains, and that's where they were socialized. Yeah. So sugar started being pushed on the American people as the new drug, yeah. right? So when they was able to take that coca leaf out, they put more sugar in. So they replaced one drug with another, yeah. right? And so, there, you know, there is no, you know, there, there was no health food that just went and became truly successful. It was always a drug inside of that that people were addicted to that they wrapped the food around or the yeah. drink around. And you know what's crazy is that when you, everything starts off in its natural form, which is actually good for you, uh-huh. and then they double it up. Well, yeah, because so, the people was using the coca leaves just for normal remedies. Yeah, I mean, like, pain even, relieving. even when I spent some time in Peru, you could use coca leaves to not get altitude sickness. Okay, so you was on them coca leaves in Peru. No, I'm just saying. Oh, you, no, you, it's you cool. <laughs> listen, I, listen. But it's okay. And even like when you think about the original like sodas, like when they yeah. used to use soda fountains and apothecaries, the original Dr Pepper mm. was all herbs. Mm. It was sassafras. Mm. You know, it was herbs like sarsaparilla. Yeah. You see what I mean? It was roots. Mm. It was herbs. And then they would add in natural. Root beer. Roots. Roots. You know what I'm saying? Same thing when you think about ginger ale. Like Mm -hmm. ginger ale was originally Mm. a ginger, you know, uh, drink created for nausea and vomiting. Mm. But now when you look at the ginger ale today, it doesn't have any ginger in it. I'm going to say something about ginger ale, though. I don't know how it works, but it still works for nausea and vomiting. Yeah, it does, because that's what ginger does. And so even without happened, the ginger in it, though, I don't know what they do to gin- ginger well, ale. A, is like a they take the extracts out. They take the extracts, so whatever they still got tracted in there. I don't know what the word is. The opposite <laughs> extract, intract. <laughs> Something's working in the ginger ale. Yeah, but you know, you made a, a key point about the sugar. <laughs> like even the slave trade. Like the slave trade was really all about sugar. Mm. It was about how do we get. These people, because sugar, cane, cane was the first original sugar. Mm-hmm. And they used to call it white gold. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And cane doesn't grow in Europe. Mm-hmm. And so what they noticed was it would grow in the southern states and it would grow in the Caribbean. Mm. How do we get people to come mine this cane so we can get the sugar out of it? That's really where the slave trade came from. Mm. And so when you start to track how sugar was growing, because you look in the ni- 1880s, the average American consumed between one and five pounds of sugar every year. Mm-hmm. Not a lot at all. If you look today, we consume 152 pounds of sugar. For sugars, if you try to do a sugar fast, you can't eat nothing. Yeah. Because if you start looking on the back of them packages, like, you know what, I'm going to stop eating sugar for a month. Everything got, I'm talking about, everything got sugar in it. They know what you like. A hundred percent. Like, and that, that goes to, 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 to our taste buds and our palates. It's like... You're being fooled into thinking you like things, yep. right? You don't like things. You like the chemicals in it. You like the flavors that are associated with it. Same thing as like the average person doesn't really like meat. They like the flavors that's on the meat. You, know you, what I mean? you the don't like it. Of you're it. addicted to it. Yeah, you're addicted to Cause it. Because if, if you can't say, I'm not going to eat this mm-hmm. and actually do it, right. that's addiction. Right. And that's what I find with a lot of people is that they either suffer from addiction to certain foods mm-hmm. or emotional eating using those foods mm-hmm. because quite often what you'll see is when somebody's life is bitter, they're trying to get sweetness through the food. Mm. Everybody's always trying to balance. Same thing with meat. If you feel like you can't just leave meat alone, first of all, it's probably because it's just tradition. Mm. 
But I always tell people, like, I would challenge that, too, because if you go back in the 1950s and 60s, meat really wasn't affordable. You had to go to a butcher to get meat. Right. And so most people could not afford to eat meat with every meal. Mm-hmm. So most people, Monday through Saturday, were not eating meat. And then on Sunday, they would have that feast where mm-hmm. they invite the pastor right. over. And then they would actually eat meat on that day. But Monday through Saturday, most people were actually eating a plant-based diet. Mm, that's very interesting. Like, just thinking about, so just what you're saying that in frame of reference, when we think of plant-based diet, we think of this new age term and reality that people are going through. But a plant-based diet was a normal thing that our ancestors, whether white, black, brown, whatever, yeah. they just ate more fruits and vegetables. Yes. It was normal to eat from, you know, local farmers, right? And yeah. what was in that region and what was being brought through that region. So a plant-based situation was just a normal reality. It wasn't yes. like, oh, I'm plant-based, I'm vegan. Like these terms weren't even made up, yeah. you know what I'm saying, until later on because of the complexity of the new standard American diets and because of people being able to ship things, right? Because I, I think about this specifically like, our stomach is getting used to a certain diet up for hundreds and thousands and millions of years. And then all of a sudden the industry of food comes. Yeah. Right. So now food is being shipped to you and made to you for the specific purpose of you becoming a return customer. Right. Of that industry. Now you have guts and, you know, families and human beings in different regions and origins who are trying new foods yep. that are outside their local vicinity that they've never had before. Because yeah. you have to imagine that only like rich people who are well-traveled could go to these different places and try different foods and delicacies. Yep. That's why they used to call gout a royal disease. Mm. Because when you get gout, it comes from being able to eat the rich foods, mm. come from eating a lot of meat, yeah. eating a lot of sugar. Mm. So these were diseases of royalty in the, in the years right. before, but not the diseases of the poor today right. because we have so much access to it in the form of processed foods, mm. meats, et cetera. Same thing that obesity was seen in some places as a form of wealth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I can eat a lot. Like, I'm good and... You got the little skinny guy that can't afford a piece of chicken. No why. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and to this day, right, there's some people that still celebrate the Buddha belly as a sign of wealth. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm eating good. Like, no, you eating too much. Right. That's all that means. Yeah. It and does not, it has nothing to do with wealth. You're just eating too much. Yeah. A person can eat that much on food stamps. We got people that's poor that are obese. Yeah. Right? So we don't have an issue with food supply right now, right? We have people we have supply with the right food, good foods, foods that are good for them, but we have all these ultra processed foods. Yeah. Right? Which is decreasing your lifespan. Yeah. Right? So the more you eat these ultra processed foods every single day, you're taking years and robbing you off your life. Yeah. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, blue zones, yeah. right? And the zones where people are living, you know, and have the highest level of, you know, life expectancy. So Japan is number one on the list. Yeah. Right. So in these blue zones, you know, specifically in Japan, why do you think, especially since you live there, why do you think that Japan is the highest, has the highest levels of life expectancy in the world? Like I'm talking about centurions, people who's living over 100. Yeah. I think it's because the philosophies are built in the culture. And specifically in Okinawa, Japan, where I live. And what I mean by that is they have a saying called Harahachibu. 
mm. which in Japanese means eat only to 80%. Mm. So it's not just about the food, it's also about how mm -hmm. much you should be eating. It's people eating to 119% out here. Yeah, and, and the reason why that's so important is backed by science. Science says that when your body gets, when your stomach gets to 80%, there's a 20% lag time on your brain recognizing that. Mm, mm. So the, it, it, the philosophy itself is backed by science as well, too. They also incorporate a lot of herbs into their diet. They also incorporate a lot of superfoods in their diet as well, too. Mm. Like, for, for instance, here in the U.S., we have the white potato. Mm -hmm. There they have the purple potato. Yeah, and right. the purple potato is full of antioxidants and full of fiber as opposed to the potato that we have here. Mm -hmm. They also eat a lot of sea vegetables, which is hugely important because the way that we farm here in the U.S. is monocropping. Mm -hmm. It robs the soil, mm -hmm. okay, of any nutrients. Whereas there, they use the real system. They use, uh, you know, a type of farming called regenerative agriculture where they're, they're doing their crops based upon the seasons and the time of the year. And so for them... They're getting a lot of nutrients from the ground, but they're also getting those nutrients that you can't get from the ground that are in the ocean, like iodine. Mm -hmm. And so this is why so many people have issues with their thyroid. They don't eat a lot of things from the ocean as well, too. Mm -hmm. So they were eating a lot of kelp, a lot of seaweed, those type of things. Getting that and, minerals in there. Yes. And then they have this philosophy that's built on community, where like somebody who's 95 years old will be paired up with somebody who's 80 years old. Mm -hmm. And that will be responsible for that other person, checking mm. on them, et cetera. Now, what you said was very important because, you know, as I was doing some study on the Blue Zone, that's exactly what they found, right? Because yeah. you, you find them in different places in Europe as well. Yeah. And these are these simplistic life styles that people are living, right? Yeah. Not a lot of stress, right? Very important. We are... We live in city zones, which are industrial zones, right? Made for making money, not for life longevity, right? Yeah. Most people don't start like, you know, the baby boomer generation didn't start living life to after retirement. What yeah. do I want to do simply for joy, yeah. right? By that time, you have already taken all of your greatest years, compiled all of the stress eating and all of the depression and anxiety from having to figure out how to get to that age of retirement onto your life has decreased your lifespan. So you end up having five, 10 years left of life by the time you retire, yep. right? Especially when you're talking about America and the standard being 78 life expectancy. Yeah. So when Which you is talk a horrible deal too, by the way, terrible. It's you, the you retire at sixty-five and you got ten years left. That's a horrible deal. I worked for forty years. The idea retire of retirement is a scam. And my golden years, my body's run down, right. working, stressing, all of the horrible foods. Mm -hmm. That's a horrible deal. It's 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 a scam because number one, now retirement age has now increased. Yep. Right, because of inflation and because of what's going on with the economy today. So you're talking about these people who have been working 50, 60 years and then realize, damn, I can't even retire. Yeah. But the idea of waiting to retire, right, means you're not living life right. Yes. Right? And that really gets into the heart of it when you talk about people in these blue zones where they're living more simply, right? There's less anxiety, yeah. right? Depression is not rampant. Like, I think that we over-normalize depression in society today like it's supposed to be a normal effect that yeah. everybody's supposed to go through. Right. This is something that is more rampant in Western society because of the way that it's built. When you go walk outside, 
Think about how many things are built for the human being, right? Nature, so that it can actually enjoy and live life. Right. Versus how many things are just meant to make somebody in power more powerful and rich. Right. So when you can have a, a life that is built more simply, right, and you can have joy, and then that connection piece that you talk about, the elders, that's very important. Yes. Because, you know... <laughs> We have a lot of elderly people, but we don't have a lot of respect for elders, yes. right? The elders are... Not like we used to. The, the, not at all. But for me, I don't really see it at all. Like, it, 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 maybe it was like, at some point in time, let's say it was 100%, and then it just started decreasing yes. over a decade, over a decade. So it's like negative at this point. Yeah. Because when we talk about elders, and you talk about pairing with elders, there was a certain level of respect you got when you became... A, a lighthouse of knowledge and wisdom. That's the elder. I'm not just talking about old age people. I'm yes. talking about that's a tree of wisdom I can go to. Right. Right. So we don't have that same, you know, disposition because the grandmas of today are more ratchet than their daughters. Yeah, exactly. Right. So they're not really becoming more wise. Right. They're just becoming old. Right. right? And then they're deteriorating even faster because of the artificial reality that we live in that's breaking them down even more, but they're not becoming more substance, right? It's not becoming more valuable. So that whole metric of, yo, when I become an elder, I'll be taken care of. I'll be respected, right? It eases your life. And then somebody is helping you through those later years where you need the most help instead of stuffing you inside a, a, a retirement home yes. for you to die and become bedridden. Right. So it's like that. And then when we talk about the way that they eat, they're not overthinking about, oh, I got to get these nutrients, I got to get these minerals. It's just built into the lifestyle, yes. right? The average person in Japan is not thinking about, oh, I need the nutrients from the sea so I can get this sea moss in my body and I can right. get these minerals. No, that's just what we're going to eat because it doesn't make sense for me to just eat meat all day. Right. I have to get my plants inside it. And it's not a plant-based diet, it's just how I'm eating. Yeah. And then the food is not ultra-processed. Right? Because you're talking about people who are getting local food still. And they grow most of it. And they're growing most of the food. And so they have a connection to it. And, you know, I think one of the most important things that anybody can do over it, regardless of what food you do, is, is pray over it. Right? Yeah. Because prayer does energize the food. It creates yeah. a different connection. Right? So now when you're asking this food to heal you, even if it's not healthy food, Right. You're still programming your body to say this is the reason I'm eating this food. Yeah. But when you're eating purely for flavor and taste and it has nothing to do with health at all. Now, this food is no longer a medicine or even has the capability of tricking your body and thinking that it's a medicine like a placebo. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's so I, I tell people this because, you know, when I go home for like the holidays and I do, you know, right before we eat. We pray. And I tell people, I'm like, look, you know, like, before we pray, you know, God said, without works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I said, so look at your plate. Ask yourself, did you do the work? Is this God's food? Is this the food that God made for you? Did it come from a box, bag, can, jar? All right, right. cool. Let's pray now. You can't, you can't <laughs> have, the devil can't serve you and then you pray to God. Yeah. So you, you know what I'm saying? I, Are you going to give all your money to the devil, man? I didn't pay the devil. He didn't make this good-ass product. Put it on the table. Now I'm about to pray to God. Oh, God, man, yeah. where you get that from? He's like, but what about me? I, I made what you need for the, needed for they your body. They got the Coca-Cola sitting right there about to wash it down. Talking about, thank God for this. Yeah, so it's so important that we get aligned first. And I think that's where we we have so, sort of lost ourselves in, in that alignment is understanding, like, 
the type of food that I'm recommending to people isn't the food I want you to eat. Mm -hmm. It's the food that God created for all of us. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of food that the body recognizes, because real recognize real. Right. Okay, it's the kind of food that the body can break down, because you can't break down processed food. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of food that can be utilized, meaning the, the vitamins, the minerals, everything in it can be utilized into the body. And then most importantly, is the kind of food that can then be eliminated from the body. Because most of the food that we eat, we just want the vitamins, the minerals, the trace, trace elements, the amino acids, the healthy fats. Mm -hmm. We just, our bodies just want that out of it. Right. But that substance that you have on your plate, that's coming out the other end. But so see, if you can't eliminate, it's going to sit in your body, rot, ferment, fester, and create its own toxins. And this is why people have that, right. that belly. And see, this is why it's important to develop your taste buds to liking raw foods, yeah. right? And liking the food in its natural form. It's like when you look at ketchup, right? Ketchup was created based on catsup, right? Which I believe is like Asian, you know, some, some sort of like Asian flavored mm -hmm. thing. And they did that because the meat at the time wasn't always the best meat, right? So they had the bacon or the meat on their plate. Sometimes it have a funny smell to it, yeah. a funny taste. Sometimes it passed expiration, but people didn't have the science to even know. Yeah, so, know. you know, people would eat this meat and they would say, well, it's too expensive to just throw away. So they would have to eat it. There was like a level of respect, right, for yeah. the money spent on it. But they would pour this catsup on top of it, right? Yeah. And as a, the guy who uh, from Heinz was sitting there thinking about it, like, damn, what if I created something that was local, right, that people could pour on top of these foods? And at the time, it was so bad that they would have to have bottles that were colored so you couldn't see what was inside. So yeah. people didn't really trust it, right? <laughs> so the bottles would be like dark brown or like greens. But he had the bright idea of he finally utilized tomatoes to come up with, you know, the ketchup. So he can pour over food that wasn't good, right? Right? Didn't smell good. I mean, we right. do that today. You want to pour a bunch of hot sauce on food because yep. you don't like the natural taste of the food, right? Right? And we don't really think about that whole thing, like even our rituals of pouring extra flavor on foods that we naturally don't like. Right? Why does it need all of that, right? And then our body is not naturally attuned to even getting the bitterness out of it, which is good for our body to experience. Yeah. Right. And so instead, we want sugar on everything because yeah. they put sugar in the ketchup. Absolutely. So now what we're doing is we're sugar coating everything. And this is what we do from a biological sense. But it's what we do in a philosophical sense with society. Yeah. Right. We don't want things raw anymore. We don't want things natural. We don't want truth real. We yeah. want everything sugar coated. Yeah. So our whole life is not taking things as is. So you never like the raw substance. You only like the truth sugar coated. Right. Don't tell it to me the way it is. Nope, I don't really like this meat. I'm going to pour and figure out as many concoctions and seasons and flavors I can throw on top of this right. so I can say I like this. Right. Right? And this is how we're, we're disguising these meals that we don't like, that aren't good for us, that are killing us, yeah. and we're sugarcoating them so that we can enjoy them. Yeah, and this is why you can say, I love this food. Right. You love the food because it's, you're addicted to it. Mm -hmm. Because it's, there's nothing but sugar. And sugar right. is by far one of the most addictive substances you can have in your body. And so when you think about it, it's not only ketchup. It's salad dressings has oh, sugar it's everything. in it. It's mayo has sugar in it. It's virtually every product has sugar in it. And so what it's doing is, if you take, for instance, like in, in um, Jewish culture, they have kosher meats. Mm -hmm. 
And if you ever, you know, have eaten like kosher meat, it has no taste to it. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it has no taste to it is they literally kill the animal and instantly chop it up. Yeah. Okay? Now, what that does is, and people don't realize this, is that it prevents from all the body fluids from leaking out into the body to tenderize mm -hmm. because the urine and the, 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 the feces, once anything dies, we die. All of those systems break down. Mm. All of those things that are holding those body fluids together, they didn't open up. Os osmosis shuts down. Right. And so that's literally what's tenderizing the meat, and that's mm. literally why people actually like a lot of the meat. Mm. And mm -hmm. so it's important for us to know and understand that even when you would do it that way, or if you do it the processed way, which, is, which means that they take, they, they take ketchup, they take monosodium glutamate, they take food additives. They take food dyes to put on, because most of the meat that you see in the, the supermarket today, it all looks red. Mm -hmm. But we know when somebody's dead, like we know they start to turn a gray. Mm -hmm. And if you'll notice that what will happen is if you go into the supermarket and that meat is expired and it goes past a certain date, that dye will start to disappear and it will start to turn mm. gray again. Let's talk about this dye, man, because this is bad, right? Like... All of this fish farming, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you go to the store and you see that, like, I was at a Costco and I was looking at a salmon and the salmon says no color dye in it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And another one would say, you know, uh, farm raised. Or another one would say it's not farm raised. This is, you know, caught naturally, yeah, right? Yeah, wild caught. Wild caught. But it's like, first of all, when you read these things, they're, they're competitive brands. So they're yeah. trying to tell you the modes or the advantages they have on the other brand, yeah. right? But you don't really think about why they're putting all these signs up, yeah. right? If one said, we don't have color dye, that means everyone that doesn't say that has it in it, <laughs> yes. right? So when you go look at it and you look at this package, now people go, go to the grocery store, oh, snap, I've been eating color dye this whole time. This is not what this fish looks like right. at all. And these farms are nasty because they're in spaces of feces where these, I'm almost getting sick thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like the food that we're eating right now can be equivalent to when you go back to the 1500s, before there was an FDA, right? And people had to just take a risk, right? Because I think he went to, when Hans was given the experiment, he, he, he had, I think, two drinks. Uh, I think they were cognac. And I think the president was FDR. I don't know if I'm correct on that. But he basically said these two drinks, and he said that one has formaldehyde in it and one doesn't, yeah. right? And he said, smell it, move it around, see if you can tell the difference. Yeah. And he picked up one, and he was like, this for sure, this is cognac for sure. He said, okay, well, would you bet your life on it? Right. Would you take a sip? And president was like, no, it wasn't the president, but it was one of his advisors. Like, all right, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, listen, this is the choice that people have to make every single day, unwillingly though, yep. right? They don't know that they're putting their life, and that's the same choice that people are making today, yeah. right? Hundreds of years later, you're making an unwilling choice that you're possibly putting poison and chemicals in your yeah. body, but you don't know. You don't know. Right? They're not advertised like that. It's not put in front of you like that, right? But this is things that are the, the cancer-causing, the disease-causing, yeah. right? And... You know, we do this every day without thought process, and we wonder why all these illness, these ailments come up, right? Yeah. All these cancers, all these tumors. And your doctor and can't tell you what it is. They don't know. Yeah. And if, if the doctor ain't recommending a change in lifestyle, because you can never, 
you, you don't, disease doesn't develop just through the genome expression. Right. Oh, it was in my family. That's just epigenetics. Oh, oh, let's look at your goddamn uh, 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 the food table. You know what yeah. I'm saying? What are you eating? Yep. Right. So if you're not, if you don't have, if you don't have a something inside of your lifestyle that is conducive towards medicine for the body, yeah. right? If if we have medicine. You know, or we have food. The food means that we don't need the medicine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like the food is the medicine. The, right. The food is supposed to be the medicine. So, you know, when you go look in your your mother's cabinet, your uncle's cabinet, your cabinet, if you got a huge pharmacy in your cabinet, it's cause you're not eating right. Yeah. Because that means the table was supposed to stop this from becoming this. Yes. Right? But when you don't eat right at the table, now you have to go into the bathroom and you have to take all of these pharmaceutical pills. Yeah. And so if you continue to eat the disease, you're going to continue to need the pills. Yep, because the thing that people really need to understand about food, food could either be the highest form of healing or it could be the deadliest form of poisoning. Mm. And what people don't realize is that a lot of the food that we eat is either feeding healing or is feeding disease. Mm -hmm. And so if you eat the wrong foods, then the foods that you eat will eat you. Mm. And so it's important for us to know and understand. We, ha we make powerful choices about our lifestyle mm -hmm. and about our life and longevity every time we pick up a spoon or a fork. And what I always am trying to communicate to people is that, you know, like when you start to think about like, because the first thing that people talk about when I say don't eat this, don't eat that, and like, all right, so what the hell can I eat? And I always tell them, I was like, what did God create? Right. You know, like, look at that. Look at what, first start there. What did God create? If you're eating out a box bag, can, jar, et cetera, and it has ingredients on it that you can't pronounce, um, and if it has more than 50 ingredients and it's supposed to be just a jar of spaghetti sauce, mm -hmm. then it's a good indication that you're eating something that isn't good for your body. Right, because you got to remember that all of that stuff that you're seeing in there is so they can sell it. Yes. Right? It's not for it's not so that you can eat it and enjoy it. Like if it was made in front of you in this natural way that they made it a hundred years ago, yeah. then it will probably be ready for you. It'll be fresh. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Then cool, go ahead and eat that. Yeah. Right? But now they have to think about the industry. They have to think about business. How do we preserve this? How do we get it to look good while it's on the shelf? So they have to think about shelf life. They have to think about, you know, the shipping time and the traveling and all of these other different things. Maintaining the color. Color. Maintaining flavor, the texture. Competing with other people who's doing new type of flavors. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it being a good product for you. Yeah. Right? It's the manipulation of the taste buds by scientists. Yeah. Right? It's no longer made by farmers. Yeah. Right? These are scientists figuring things out. Right? So it's like... That to me automatically says that, damn, I don't want my chef to be a scientist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I would rather my chef be a farmer. Indeed. Indeed. And the reason why that's so important is this because people are under the impression that we're being protected when food is placed on a shelf. Mm. But what's important for people to know and understand is that it's called the FDA, Food and Drug Administration. Mm -hmm. Just look at what's being approved now. You got clone meat that's approved. Talk you have the, clone, the, the genetically modified salmon mm -hmm. that is now approved in, mm. in the market. They 3D printing food. 3D printing food. Um, you, you see that we now have the genetically modified foods that are now been in the market since the early 2000s. And now you, you, when you look at the label, you'll now see 
bioengineered ingredients, Man, which they got, means genetically modified. They got they got companies that's out here selling celebrity clone meat. Yeah, from cell cultures that they're taking. Like this, this is getting weird out here. It's getting real weird. Again, as entrepreneurs, we are responsible for containment of a lot of information, and we have to scale our businesses. So we're constantly processing information. We have to keep our mind open to new information. We have to make observations about competition. We have to be aware of our customers, right? And the times, you know, uh, entrepreneurs working 16, 18 hours. So we need our rest. We need our recharge because we need to get right back where we left off, but we're responsible for scaling. So we even have to come back in the game, you know what I'm saying, even better than we left. So how do we do that, right? We have to have something that speeds the particular glands that are responsible for making these processes happen in our body. And in our body, the pineal gland is responsible for that. So during the daytime, it releases serotonin, and at nighttime, it releases melatonin in accordance with the planetary circadian rhythm, right? The way that we are helping entrepreneurs be a better version of themselves, we're making sure that people's most important asset, their body, is recession-proof, right? What does a recession body look like? One that has an energy deficit, right? One that is, you know, slightly uh, a few steps or seconds off, right? You can't afford that in business. You can't even afford to be a split second off. You want to be totally present and slightly ahead of the game. And that's what we focus on when we focus on the brain. So I know you heard about the centimillionaire Brian Johnson who's trying to reverse his biological age, mm -hmm. right? So I want to talk a little bit about biological age, right? Um, and, you know, the method of basically looking at, you know, your cells and your body and, you know, the subscribing the age to your heart, to your different organs. For, yeah. for him, he said he want his penis to be 18, he want his heart to be 18, his lung to be 18, brain to be 18. Yeah. So he's spending $2 million per year, and he's doing multi-generational blood transfusions between his father and his son. Okay. Right. And infusing that within his body so that I think the blood transfusion is supposed to decrease the chances of like dementia and things of that nature. But, okay. yep. you know, I said it's 50 percent chance that people who get these transfusions right, have adverse effects because you're putting somebody else's blood in your body. And if it's not a match, then your immune system can reject it. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, these rich are doing people are doing things like cryotherapy. Yep. You know what I'm saying? There's companies that will Stem allow cells. you for like eighty to two hundred thousand dollars to freeze your body and brain in hopes that scientists one day will be able to, you know, awaken you and you back alive and you living again and you can use that same body. Then you got things like um, you know, the digital consciousness transfer. Yeah. Right. So taking your consciousness transfer like this is stuff that people are really <laughs> paying for at this moment. Sounds like a sci uh, science fiction movie. <laughs> but like this is what's going on. But I want to talk a little bit about, you know, immortality and like the, the, the real idea. You know, in the Bible, they said that there was people living twenty five hundred years. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And people living hundreds of years. Right. We don't think about. You know, there's people, grandmas that don't live to 90 and 100 years old, yeah. right? And some early, or people being recorded now living up to 120 years. Yeah. But people are trying to live forever. 
Yeah. Right. Now, what makes people die in the first place? Right. Like, can you explain telomeres? No. Yeah. So uh, what they if you read in a lot of ancient texts, what you'll hear is they were giants in those days. And mm. what, what they're often referring to were the Anunnaki's. Mm -hmm. And what people believe was that this people from another another uh, planet came here and they enslaved us as humans mm -hmm. and created the humans today, that mm -hmm. we know as today, as us. And what they believed they did was, in most people are under the impression that when humans were here and they came, that they were a lower form of life. But for my research, what I began to understand is that we weren't a lower form of life. We had the ability for tele, uh, telekinesis, Mm. Um, to be the ability to be in tune with nature, mm -hmm. to talk to other animals, all those type of things. But what the Anunnaki did, according to my research, was they split the DNA and took off the telom and took off the telomeres and the, what, and put the telomere caps on. Mm. And the telomere caps are what gives us the age of 120 years. Mm. So when you read in the Bible and well, they 119, we yep. just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is at 119. Yes, yeah. But that, that's why they say you can live to 120 years because those telomere caps mm -hmm. that are at the end of our DNAs are giving us that cap to life. Now, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of ways that you can expand that. Mm -hmm. um, it's very difficult to do that physically, but it's much more easy to do that spiritually. Mm. So when people ask me why I don't eat meat or animal products, that's one of the reasons why is because uh, for spiritual reasons. And so the other thing that I think is really important in terms of immortality for people to understand is that the work that we're supposed to do that when we actually come down here on earth, I believe that the whole idea is we have a spiritual curriculum. And before we come down here on earth, the whole idea is we figure out what we're going to look like. Are we going to be tall, dark and handsome? Mm. Are we going to be born in the ghetto? What parents we're going to have? What experiences we're going to have? We have a council of elders that help us decide these things. And when we come down to earth, we're essentially supposed to go through a schooling. Mm -hmm. And we're supposed to go through a teaching. And there's points of the journey where I ask somebody spiritually, hey, at this point in my journey, if I'm off task, I need you to come in my life. So sometimes that's where you see people come in your life and then they go. Mm. And you're wondering, like, this person was amazing to me. Why did they just leave my life? Sometimes you actually made that bond or agreement before you come down here. So... What I always tell people is that the highest version of you is attached to the healed version of you. Mm. Everything that you deserve in life, the person you love, the person, the, the amount of money you want to have, the experiences you want, you, ha you want to have, all of that is attached to you doing the work that you were designed to do when you came down here to do. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're off task with that, what happens is we experience struggle. And that struggle is defined as heartbreak, mm -hmm. loss. Because life is always trying to teach you. Right. And the unfortunate thing about most people is they, they only learn through struggle. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't learn through happy. That's a fact. Like, if you were to see somebody who became a millionaire, but they didn't struggle to get it, they didn't put in the effort to get it, mm -hmm. they lose the money very quickly. Right. Whereas if you see somebody who put in the work to get there, they could lose the money and get the money back. Well, I think that kind of goes to the concept that even the man with success can struggle the same way as a man with failure. And it's because people don't know how to cope with boredom. Yes. Right? Like, so they say when you have a child, right, it's best to not try to keep that child 
constantly entertained. You have to allow that child to learn to cope with boredom, right? Because yeah. this is where creativity comes out, right? Yeah. This is where you learn to deal with those long processes, right? Of waiting and patience and not always needing a stimulant, yeah. right? And this is where people learn how to go through the arduous long journey in life. Yeah. Today's children are constantly being stimulated. The child don't know how to be bored. You throw an iPad in front of them and then their brain is going crazy. Yeah. That's their first drug. Dope so dopamine. You're right, dopamine. But now when you get older and even with success success requires the man to go through boredom like he loves it right because you have to go through the process of what's working over and 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 over again right right this is why when you see, go look at some of the most successful people in the world billionaires they look like boring people yeah. they look like they can sit through boring things over and over and over and over all day long right this is why I tell people it's the boring information that's the most valuable yeah. because that's the information the average person will never get through gotcha. because they need to have everything stimulating them in a way where they feel entertained by it, yeah. right? No, I know that information that I know somebody else is never going to go through because they don't have the intention span. They don't have the ability to cope with things being boring. That's not right. spiking up excitement. So I've learned to get excited by the boring things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When I'm learning something new, it excites me. But also, even when I don't like the information and I know that it's valuable because I wasn't a child that was always thrown things to cut his attention, my mother used to be like, you bored, find something to do. That's right. up to you. I'm not going to try to figure out how to entertain you through boredom because now you don't know how to deal with that. Right. Now you feel like you need attention. Now you feel like you need everything to feel great in order for you to go through it. Like, yeah. no. Enjoy that process. And there are grown adults who won't do hard work because they get bored by it. Yeah. So everybody's caught up in this emotional cycle. So for me, this is one thing that I register. It's like somebody going to the gym, you know, that person that can follow that constant regimen and stick to it, that shit is boring. Yeah. Eating a certain amount of meal prep per day is boring. Right. It's not exciting to the taste buds, but if you do it, you get the results. Yeah. So it's a man that can go through the boring systems, right, of success, yeah. right? Because, and that's why I say the person that's dealing with success, he has to cope with his own boredom, right? When being successful, the same way a man that's going through failure has to, yeah. right? So it's, it's when you learn how to have that ability to be stoic yeah. throughout life and stoic through success and stoic through your failures, now you have that ability to go through anything in order to get to where you want to be. Yeah, and that, that's the issue, I believe, that social media and a lot of the new technology has created is this constant need to be stimulated. Right. And, you know, like my grandmother said, you need to learn how to be still. Right. And a lot of right. us don't that's know how to be still. That's the elders, man. Like, and that stillness is what creates connection that stillness is what allows us to tap into source yeah that stillness is what allows us to see inside of ourselves and actually be a mirror to ourselves and so we just don't know how to be still man you said and then the other thing just to piggyback on what we were veggie talking back. about around we, we veggie back over here veggie back yeah we veggie back <laughs> over here <laughs> but uh the veggie back on the immortality it's also important to understand right, so that... How, yeah, how do we become immortal, man? That's yeah, what I'm trying to figure it's out. It's important for us to know and understand, like, we're not human beings having a spiritual spirit experience. Mm -hmm. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. That's a fact. We're not supposed to live forever. Mm. But the other thing, to, to make that experience longer, it means that you have to have more of a work to do here, mm -hmm. which means that you have to be more spiritual than human while you're here in this experience. Mm. And what I find with most people is they're so tapped into their flesh 
that the flesh is designed to dissolve, mm. okay, and break down. But the more you get tapped into source, the more you get tapped in through music and vibrational music, you know, 432 hertz, mm -hmm. the more you get tapped into nature mm -hmm. and understanding nature a little bit better. Because one thing that I noticed, like, growing up, like, everywhere I went, dogs would bark at me. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, bark at me, come at me. And I never knew what it was. Mm -hmm. But it was because I had this healthy fear of nature that this dog's going to bite me. Mm. But then when I started to get, essentially when I went plant-based, started eating the right way and got more in tune with myself, got more in tune with God, I noticed no dogs bark at me. Mm. Like none. And as a matter of fact, I was spending some time in the country Laos. And there was this, you know, Big forest off of the side of the road, so I figured, like, I'll set up a little tent there, cool out for a little bit. And as I'm cooling out, like, you know, there for about a month, I noticed that some of the animals would start walk, walking by me. Mm -hmm. And then I thought it was so cool because these animals would get so close to Hold me. Oh, you said you had a tent on the side of the road? So I had this tent that I would, would pack on my scooter. Okay. And so I said, this is a nice little area. It's by the river. There's a waterfall up the way. It's a nice little area so to you, just you chill and vibrate. Yeah. Okay. And so, like... I didn't a, know if you was homeless. I ain't... Nah, 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 nah. I didn't know, I didn't know what part of the story or part nah, of the journey we was I at. Been, I've been there. Yeah. We can get to that, but nah, this wasn't that part of the story. But as I'm camping out there for, like, you know, w once a week, again, twice a week, the more I was there, I was noticing animals would just be closer and closer to me. And then when I tried to, like, brain people to say, I want you to see this shit. Like, it's crazy. Like, mm -hmm. I got a deer and got this kind of animal yeah. just coming up to the tent, asking me for food. And when I would bring people, they would never come. Mm. And so it's literally when you shift your vibration, you start to tap into source. Mm -hmm. And most people don't understand what they're tapping into. Like, I'll give you a for instance. When you travel... You're gonna need a different type of plug for a different type of country. Right. You see what I'm saying? You may you may plug in your clippers to this club this plug, and then it ruins the clippers mm -hmm. because the voltage is in, this, in the right is in the right voltage. So it's really important for us to get tapped in the source, which is our spirit slash soul, so that we can be tapped in the source, and it'll make this journey here not only more pleasant, but it'll make it a longer and more fruitful journey as well too. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe that 100%. You know, it's like the idea, I think it was Mother Tanetta who, who talked about it, one of Anubalaj Muhammad wives, and she talked about, you know, being at the age, I think, what she say? You should be, like, spiritually fifth, 16 or something like that, like, as far as, like, your spirit and your energy. Like, yeah. you can't reverse the process of aging, but it does start from a non-physical, non-corporeal level. It starts from the immaterial level. Yeah. Right, because you know your breath informs the body on movement. Yes, you know what I'm indeed. saying, and it can control. You know, it can make you more stress, right? Or it can bring down the levels of the body to be in rest, indeed. right? So in that rest and that calmness and that relaxation, um, and minding your own business, right? Now you're living in your own field of energy, unless things are corrupting that. Yeah. When your day can be disrupted by something that's going on in someone else's life, yeah. right? then that's taking off your life. Something that didn't even happen to you, yeah. right? This is why minding your own business is important because when you're constantly caught up in a gossip train, you start mourning people you don't know, right? Like, like you got to think about that. People at a time in history never mourn people that were a thousand miles away, 
Yeah. Never mourned people that were 500. They didn't know when these people died. They right. never knew these people. They only mourned people that were literally in their vicinity. Yeah. Right? Now, people die and the empathy of a human being got you stressing out or somebody else bad news across the world. Right. There can be something happening in Japan and you crying about it because, or you stressed about it and it's giving you anxiety, but it will never actually affect you. Right. Right. Human beings are emotional creatures of empathy. Yep. And so we've never had that ability to have fast information at first, but this information can affect and impact our daily lives. Yeah. And this is why it's important to not take in the world. Yeah. Right. Like all, everything that has nothing to do with you. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's important to understand what has, you know, immediate effect on your life. Right. You got young children who be crying because, you know, birds are dying in the Amazon. Yeah. They're stressing out. Yeah. They're becoming depressed. They can't figure it out. Like, oh, my God, the planet is dying and yeah. there's rain. And it's like, but you live a comfy life of privilege. Yes. Indeed. There's no reason for you to be stressed, have anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts on how bad the world is. What about your world? Yeah. Right. This is this is one of the primary issues that human beings don't know how to focus on their own world. Yeah. Right. And which means that you focus on globe. Right. You mean you definitely not focus on inside. Yeah. All of your ex your worries are external issues. Yeah. You're not finding internal peace. Yeah. Right. So when isolation for elevation, when I start to isolate from the world, nothing is happening. Yeah. It's just me. Now what happens is now you get to focus on you. Now you get to see, okay, why am I, I'm focused on the world because I want to deal with self, yeah. right? And when you start to find those real things, my, your lack of value and finding your joy, your passions and expression, talents, gifts and skills and purpose, have you focusing on the world as an excuse from dealing with the internal work, Yes. right? So now you feel like, oh, I don't have to do anything because the world is burning. Yep. Like, no, you're supposed to cultivate that fire within so you have reason for everything that you do. And now it gives you joy every single day. So I don't want, I don't, I don't, I'm not of the subscription, you know, of all of this high level of teen depression every single day. Because yeah. you don't have any reason to be depressed. You live in one of the greatest times on the planet Earth. You have Indeed. to find reason to find joy every single day. You have to find gratitude every single day. But the world is aging these young people faster and faster and faster. America has one of the... America and parts of Europe have some of the oldest societies. You know what I'm saying? They're getting old as hell, ain't producing more babies yet. Africa, Africa, the place where they say have no resources. Africa, the place where they say ain't got, well, they ain't saying got no resources, but they're not utilizing their resources in a matter of advancement yeah. in a way the rest of society because everybody's robbing them. Yet they got the, the, the youngest population in the world, average age 19 years old. Mm. You know what I'm saying? 2053, they're going to have two, three billion people over there. Yeah. Right? When I went over there, they lived simply. Yeah. All the things we talked about in those blue zones, that's how they're living, with less, but they have spiritually more. Yeah. Right? When you talk about wealth from a status of happiness, peace, and joy... Go find me the person that has a lot of happiness, peace, and joy. That person is wealthy. Yep. Go find me the people with a lot of money, but they don't have happiness, peace, and joy. Yep. That person is poor. Yep. Right? And so the, the, the determinant. Yeah. But you got to have a balance. Yeah. Right? You know, they say, they used to say happiness doesn't bring money. A new study said, wait a minute, that happiness, brother. You know, money and happiness have a correlation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because now you can do, when you figure out more about self, you can do more of the things you love. And there's no impediment in your way. Yeah. So I want to travel to Africa. I got money. Let's do that. Instead of I want to go to Africa. Now I'm stressing about how to get there. 
right? So, oh, so a family member has an issue. You know what? I got it. Let me throw you a couple of dollars. I don't feel like stressing about it. Don't call me for a while, though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not about to let that be the stress. Yeah. Right? And money is energy. Yeah, money is That's energy. That's all it is. Like, I think, you know, when people make money the root of all evil, it's because of what people do. It's the love money. of money that's the root of yeah. all evil. And so it's money ain't no... How money be evil? Money is just a... Not to cut your wisdom, but money is a, you know, it's a, a, a vector of energy. You know yes. what I'm saying? Every human being, unfortunately, is measured... Their value is measured in dollars. Yes. Right? Because... Those dollars represent energy units, yes. right? How many energy units do you have stored? Yeah. And unfortunately, Rocker def- uh, 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 the Rockefellers and these families figured out how to get people to take real value that they have and exchange it for fake value, things that don't have the same value. So the moment we start taking gold and exchanging it for paper, yeah. the human mind was tricked, yes. right? This is stored value that's supposed to represent real value, and you're giving this in exchange for paperback dollars. Yeah. This is what we do every single day. We go exchange our time, our energy, and our emotions for things that have less value than if we just kept those things. Yeah. And it's, I think what's important to understand is, like, the currency of life is time right now because most people are time-bound because mm-hmm. people have tapped into the, the wrong source. But if, if someone says, I'm going to exchange your currency of life, which is time, in exchange for paper dollars, which you can then exchange for a trip or to pay your bills, et cetera, et cetera, people have taken that... People have taken that deal because that's the only deal that they were presented with. Mm-hmm. And so because people don't understand that time isn't currency, mm-hmm. what truly is currency is creation. Mm-hmm. That's what's really cre- currency. Because if you can create, you can get all the time you want back. That's how you get your time back. Where you take somebody who makes 100000 over here, but they work 44 hours in a, in a week, and you take somebody over here who make $100,000, but they only work two hours in a week. Mm-hmm. That means that that person has used creation mm-hmm. to understand how to get their time back. And it's so important that we do that. And I think it's so important as we shift, because I believe that we're in a shifting period. We're going from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. Mm-hmm. And when you see that shift, what you're going to see is a shift from the age of religion Mm-hmm. The age of forgiveness, mm-hmm. the age of resurrection, mm-hmm. the age of warring. You're mm-hmm. going to shift from that age to now an age of unity, mm-hmm. an age of humanity. Mm-hmm. And so what, what happens is as we shift, because we have this shift every 26,000 years, because the earth makes a whole procession. Mm-hmm. Okay, And when it goes into that procession in 26,000 years, we have a new golden age. And when we have that golden age, what you experience is a flood of divine light that sheds on this earth. And now what that's going to do is bring up all of the shadow work. So that's why you see all the foolishness happening. Mm-hmm. That's why the world looks like it's in a ride because divine light is now, in my opinion, flooding the earth. Right. So you're going to see people be in disagreement. You're going to see people have these ideologies that don't really match up with life and longevity and connection and things of that nature. But I just think it's a transition period. And what I believe that is the more that we in tune with that transition period and the more we understand about how we play a role in that spiritually, what we'll see is we'll come into our own divinity in that space and time. Well, I think people have to learn how you have to make a life decision, right? 
And the thing about it is the pressure to make the best decision, you have to alleviate that from yourself. You just have to make a decision. Yes. Right? Because young people especially think that, you know, the, the, the stress of, oh, I need to do this the right way the first time. No. You make a decision, and it gives you a journey to experience. Yeah. And then on that journey of experience is experimentation, right? Yeah. So you are a scientist. You hypothesize on what you think may be the best. Following your gut, if you got a good gut, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? You know, taking in the resources of information and knowledge, because remember, you have more information and knowledge than any other people at any point in time. Yep. But decreasing the necessity for more when you have an answer, right? Saying that, okay, now that I know, I know, I will use this. So let me try this. This experience is going to give you knowledge of self. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm good at this. I'm not good at this. I like this. I don't like this. Right. So if you create a notebook, right, where you're studying yourself and you're saying that, damn, you know, I went through that experience, whether it's courting, whether it's a relationship and say, you know what? I didn't like this in that relationship. Right. Like, yeah. you know, I, I figured I was very attached to this person during this time. Yeah. Right. So now you say, you know what? I don't think I want this in the next one. Right. This is what not makes me happy. Yeah. Maybe I only did this because of the what I seen from my parents relationship and dynamics. Right. Or maybe I was unhealed. So I went with somebody who I know wasn't going to treat me right because I know this wasn't going to last long. And eventually it's going to come to an end versus finding somebody who I know is good for me and allowing them to treat me right so that I can have longevity. Yeah. Right. And so same thing with with jobs or I work this job. You know, I don't like actually following instructions. I think I need to be in a leadership position. Yeah. Right. So let me find a job that allows me to exercise that aspect. Right. Or let me find a job that allows me to be more creative. Right. Or strategic or organized. Right. Because we're different people. Some of us are organizers. Some of us are creative. Some of us are action takers. Some of us are people, people like I want to talk to people, socialize, network. So by experimenting and finding what you're good at, what you like to do. Right. It will bring you joy. It will create and generate passion. And that can give you direction for what to do. Yep. But when you don't have life paths and you don't make decisions and you're constantly in this phase of I don't know, I'm trying to figure it out. Right. You're disrespecting the parts of yourself that already have knowledge. Yes. Right. So that whole journey of I'm going to go figure myself out is like you're going to lose yourself. Right. Yeah. The journey of figuring yourself out for most people is the journey where they start dissecting what they already know about themselves. Right. And they forget that part and they completely disregard that. And they put themselves in situations to say, hey, tell me who I am. Yeah. Right. And that's allowing the world to create decisions and narratives for you. And so you can find yourself in situations that's not for you. Yeah. Right. And you can start going against self. And that can be traumatic for people. And then you you even further go away from who you really are because you're experimenting in environments that have nothing to do with your nature. Yes. So when you don't learn how to listen to your heart, you don't learn how to listen to your mind. You find yourself in environments that rob you of your integrity. And it's very hard to get your soul back once you give it away to be a part of something, especially for this experiment you call finding yourself. Yeah. Because you already you. You're a human being. Each human being has a certain genetic code, which means you come with certain epigenetic knowledge encoded into who you are. It means you have certain skills. You already have certain trauma embedded into you through epigenetic trauma of your parents. And and if you just study them first, then you will know what's in you. Right. So before you go study a subject in college, study your parents. Right. Study your father like pops. 
what you had going on? Did you do drugs? What was your relationship type? Like, what was your fears, right? What are your strengths and skills and weaknesses? And now I know what's in me, yeah. right? Now I know what I'm prone to, what I'm susceptible to, and what are my strengths. Mom, how was you feeling when you had me? What was going on in the world between those ages of one through seven while I was unconscious? Right. What was y'all teaching me? What was on TV? Right. Study yourself. How was I, what would I do as a baby? What did I like to do? What was I naturally prone to, yeah. right? So you can't disregard the last 18 years, right, of life through your most programmable years from a baby to 25 and then say, okay, I'm about to go find myself. Yeah. Like, no, you haven't studied everything that you found about yourself already. Right. And so when you give yourself up to the world, you're telling your world, instead of finding yourself, you're telling the world to dictate who you are. Yeah based on circumstances that I happen to find myself in. Right. Yeah, and I think that journey of self-discovery um, is probably the greatest journey that we can, you know, go on. And the unfortunate thing is, like, most people are afraid of it because they understand the amount of shadow work that they have to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I just so wrote- what's your definition of shadow work? Because I, I find it kind of varies yeah. um, as far as the way that people define it for themselves. It's parts of ourselves that we've either rejected, disowned, or swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. And those are the parts of us that we were essentially sit here to experience mm-hmm. and then learn from. Mm-hmm. And so the work comes into play when we understand why we had to go through that. Mm-hmm. The work comes into place when we have to revisit either the experience or the people that were involved in that. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a case. And for instance, I just wrote a new book called Life is My Guru. And uh, in the book, I'm talking about an experience that I went through with my mom. You know, I had to, you know, I was, you know, raised in my mom's house, even though my father was always there in my life, I was raised in a single parent house. And my mom didn't make the best choices in men, so I had to fight grown men off of my mom. Mm. And, I'm, you know, one of the experiences was really traumatic for me. Imagine a 12-year-old having to fight a grown man. And I remember, like, tallying up all the work that I felt like I needed to revisit. And one of the stories, I wanted to revisit with my mom. Mm. And um, as I'm telling her the story to have the conversation, one of the fears that I had was, if I tell her this, she's going to tell me it didn't happen that way. It's going to piss me off. And so I got over that, had the conversation with her. Boom. She says it didn't happen that way. Mm -hmm. I'm infuriated. So I called my sister and I say, hey, do you remember when this happened? And she said, yes. I said, tell me how it happened. She told me exactly how it happened the way my mom told me. So at that moment, I had to ask myself, why did I tell myself this version of the story? Mm. You see what I'm saying? And so as I began to unpack that, what I had to tell myself was I told myself that version of the story because that was the way I protected myself. Mm. You understand? And for me to get over that, it helped me rebuild a relationship with my mom. Mm. You understand? So that's what true shadow work is. And most people don't want to do that work. I, I mean, I just gave you the example because they don't want to go through the it's fear tough. of rejection, et cetera, et cetera. Those tough emotions. It's tough emotions to deal with. But being able to dive into those sort of parts of ourselves that we've disowned and disconnected from, those are the parts of ourselves that are going to allow us to experience moving forward 
love on a different level, compassion on a different level, the ability to connect with people, and now my ability to connect with people is very different now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, your healed version of you is a completely different person than a person that's unhealed and still operating from a, a program place of trauma. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are very clear about what you want and what you don't want and what aligns with you and what doesn't align yeah. with you. Mm -hmm. And that voice in your head is right there saying that, you know you don't want to do this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then that hill version will be like, we not doing this since I don't want to do this. Yeah. Versus a person that's a people pleaser, right? Because they were told that they were a nice child and yeah. they didn't want to disrespect the image that was constantly thrown yeah. on them. Yep. Right. Or the person that was told that they were a bad kid. So they always was rebellious against everybody. Right. Yeah. Like you as an adult is really you as a child. Right. Yeah. You just biologically became grown. Right. Or more mature. But psychologically, you maintain at that same level. Yeah. So I, and it's funny because I was listening to a young brother. I don't know his name at all. It was uh, just a clip on TikTok or whatever. But he said something profound and he was explaining why. People, when, when you consider yourself to be one of the chosen ones or one of the healed ones or one of the light bearers or bringers, whatever, while other people around you don't like it. Now, I talk about this a lot. You know, when people are too close to the light, they get blinded by it. Yeah. But not only too close to the light, they get blinded by it, they get exposed. Yeah, the right? shadows come out. When, when, you are, when your light exposes you to yourself, right, that's doing the shadow work, right? And what it does is it forces you to grow in areas that were stunted, right? It forces you to strengthen the areas that were weak. And you're always this person that's constantly growing and progressing, right? That's different than people around you. When you see a person, every time you talk to this person, man, they always got something new, yeah. always building something, always growing. They're just more advanced than you've seen them. You see them constantly evolving, yeah. right? Most of society is declining or stagnant. Yeah. So what happens when you come in their environment as well, they're exposing your light as well or your darkness, right? So it's like you don't want to be around a pastor because you feel like he's too holy because it's like, come on, pastor, you got me looking at myself now. Yeah. I'm thinking about all the things that I be doing wrong. Yeah, for sure. So it's the same thing when a person that has that light and that energy around you and that's constantly growing. Now you're exposing them and they feel like you can see them. Right. And so now they get mad at you. So they want to try to expose your faults. Yeah. They want to try to sabotage you. Right. Because they like, how dare you make me feel like this? You make me feel inferior. But it's not their fault. It's yeah. what you haven't worked on. Yes. Right. And, and it's the parts of you that you're not exposing to yourself to build and progress because you decided to be stagnant in your progress. Yeah. And this person says, I want to accept stagnation, only progress, yeah. only growth. So you have to be careful when you're doing work and you're progressing because you're not only shedding the light within, that light is now becoming a flashlight shedding on everybody else yep. and it can create hatred, right? It can create jealousy, it can yep. create envy and those people may want to attack you. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So being a light bearer, you know, and, and illuminating light everywhere you go comes with this responsibility of understanding the reactivity towards that light as well. Yeah, 100% because the light is awareness. Mm -hmm. That's what the light is. And what the light or awareness does, it exposes their shadows. Mm -hmm. And what's important to understand is, I think Martin Luther King said this, is that darkness cannot exist in the presence of night. Mm -hmm. So the only way it can exist is for you to get darker. Right. You see what I'm saying? And so what happens is, is for many people, you're going to help them. And for other people, you're going to make it worse. Yeah. And so you have to choose your, your company 
very, you know, discreetly for that reason. And I think the other thing that's really important that you tapped in on was that, you know, the healed version of you and the unhealed version of you made two totally different decisions in mm -hmm. life. And so I always tell people when I ask them, like, you know, what can I get you to do to start eating better for yourself, mm -hmm. taking care of yourself better? And I'll ask them, well, why can't you stop eating that even though you know it's killing you? And they'll say, well, you got to die or something. And I always tell them, I'm like, that is a very, very dark way to look at life. It's a poor way of looking at yeah. life. And, and the unfortunate thing That's is, like saying somebody got to be broke. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And what I always tell them, I was like, I want you to think about this one decision because I believe that food is also, your choices in food is an act of love, too. Mm -hmm. When you eat something healthy, you'd be like, I'm on my shit today. Mm -hmm. When you eat something horrible, you like, it tastes good, but damn, I feel bad that I eat yeah. it. So it's really important for us to understand that's a constant assault on us, too. Because each time we're eating something that is tastes good, but it's bad for us, we're constantly telling ourselves, I don't love you. Mm. Because especially, you got high blood pressure, and you know you eating all this food that has a whole bunch of salt in it, that is processed, that mm -hmm. has a whole bunch of monosone in your glutamate and things of that nature. Like, on a subconscious level, you're telling yourself, I'm not good enough to make the right choices. Mm -hmm. Now, if you flip that on the other side, what does it look like when you start to make choices that are loving, the mm -hmm. choices that are in your benefit, that are nourishing to you, what is that telling yourself subconsciously? Because we all know when you get sad, when you get depressed, it can have a physical impact on your body. When mm -hmm. you get sad and depressed, you can get ulcers. When you get sad and depressed, you can have gut issues. Mm -hmm. When you get sad and depressed, it can lead to high blood pressure, et cetera. Well, let's look on the other side of that. Because then if, that, if we can make ourselves unhealthy, by the thoughts that we choose, right. then we can make ourselves healthy and by the thoughts that we choose. And what do we say when that happens? We feel what? Lighter. Yeah, indeed. You know what I'm saying? Because you illuminating that good light now. Yeah, you know and that's, that's a wonderful point because I also believe that the more light you become, the more in spirit you become. Yeah. The more you lose that light, the more you become into well, this yeah. body, which, of course, that's is what, destined for the ground. That's the literal enlightenment right it's light inside the body and mind yeah right like you're illuminated with truth right Indeed. you can see things as they are right you you're able to unlift the veil of reality you know Indeed. what i'm saying like you're you're not stuck in the, the the shadow realm or in the dark right and there's only a certain percentage of people that can see things for the way that they actually are yeah everybody else is stuck by the perception that they're sold yeah. Right. So these there's masters of illusion that give the world right uh, their reality. And then there's people that know how to pierce the veil and see things. Man, I see what's on the news. Yeah, I see. I can see look at a person and see who they are. Yes. But I can only see as far as I see inside myself. Yeah. And so I recognize that. So as I heal parts of myself, it, it, you actually become a messenger of light, which is a messenger of truth, was Indeed. basically saying, now I know how to help you heal that. But when a person isn't ready, they don't want to be around nobody because what you're doing is exposing them. 
So that's why you have to be careful during your growth process to not just walk around exposing everybody else because yeah. you've healed. Yeah. So it's like, bro, I start eating better. Uh, I know why you sick. <laughs> you eating what I used to eat. Right. And they like, bro, I ain't ready for all that, man. I don't want you to put me on all that goddamn healthy stuff, man. <laughs> Got me. I want to smoke a little blood, eat some bacon, chill, and drink my little coca leaf. You know what I mean? My Coca-Cola. <laughs> so you got to be careful because it's a way you go about helping people. Yeah. Allow that light to be in you, right? Allow yourself to be an expression of truth and then watch others observe it because we have mirror neurons. We're going to want to mirror the superior, right? We mirror the alpha that's in the room, right? Because they like, wait a minute, bro, alpha, all the girls looking at him. Maybe I should do a little bit of what he doing. Let me, shit, let me do it. Let me get my stuff together, man. Wait a minute. He cracking them jokes. They like that. Hey, I got something funny to say too. too. (laughs) You feel me? Bro, over here healed. Hey, ladies, I've been through my shadow work. You know, I've, you know, I did the work now, sister. You feel me? So they gonna want to do the same thing. So all you gotta do is lead by example. Yeah. And a, a lot of people can't do that because you know we everybody is different. So some people are communicators. Some people lead through expression. Right. Some people try to convince people in other ways. Yeah. Family, I will pay you to get your shit together. But you can't do anything for a person that's not ready. Right. You, you know can. what I'm saying? And I learned, you learned, well, I learned it through the movie The Matrix. Mm-hmm. For me, the movie The Matrix Greatest is, movie a, of all, listen. Is, is a documentary, not a movie. Brother right here is phenomenal because he took a skill set that he had, put himself and his family on. A skill set that he teaches many other people. Everybody can't teach training like my brother teaches. Oh, yeah. This is why you see him with the celebrities and why you see him with successful students. Not only that, if you're having a hard time, the brother actually shows you all the trades that he's making at 5,000 plus per day on. It's not one of them, oh, I, I'm going to tell you I can do it. It's one of those, I'm going to show you I can do it and you can do it right along with me. So if there's somebody that wants to fire their job, pick up a new skill, this is my brother to tap in the Honey Drip Network. Make sure y'all tap in. Y'all can get into the Discord for a low monthly and you can change your family trajectory just like that. Investing in about 2016, self-taught myself how to invest, became a millionaire before I left, made my first six figures uh, when I was 21, made my first half a million when I was 22, and made my first uh, million when I was 23, and then now I'm eight figures plus in business and investment. So, uh, Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I got a brother over here. His name is Solomon. He is behind the camera. You know what I'm saying? He said Matrix was overrated. I said, first of all, brother, no disrespect. I ain't trying to put you on the spotlight, but we'll put you on the spotlight. I ain't tell what your last name is, so they don't know. But the Matrix movie, the reason why it can't be overrated, right? Because you can only overrate it in hindsight, right? You can only look at after every movie that was created and every industry that was created and after the world was shifted because of it, yes, right? And then look back and say, ah, this movie ain't wasn't all that. It changed cinema, right? Cinematically, they start doing the... You feel me? Yeah, Start yeah. doing the, the uh, slow motion. Then it changed the philosophy. It's actually the most impactful movie ever. Yeah. And the most important cinematic, the f- most important cinema ever to exist. Because The Matrix was a philosophy. It was a documentary, right? And it was a code that those who have the eyes to see utilize when they viewed. And everybody's seeing it from different levels based on your level of conscious observation, yeah. right? So when I seen it, I gazed it from the eyes of being taught from a child, you know, about this world being a matrix through the teachings of Elijah Muhammad. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, the Smiths, those, the devils, that's the ones, that's me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And this the gatekeepers and this is how the world is moved when you got the knowledge itself and they try to... So I seen myself through the movie and it was like a validation. And I think that there were some people who took it as entertainment and everybody else was like, this is the message to the world. Yeah. Or anybody who is a light bearer. Yeah. That's essentially what the... If you're bringing light into the world or... It activated it, people. It, it is a blueprint. Like, whenever I see somebody shift in their life, and the, the food choices and what they read, the music they listen to, when you go through that shift, it is going to be confusing mm-hmm. because that light is going to remove a lot of people from your life. Mm-hmm. And th- what the movie teaches you is that what Morpheus says, like it, when Neo's in the program, he's teaching you, like, I'm trying to show you. I know you saw the woman in the red dress, but look behind you. Smith's right there with a gun. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to prove to you Anybody who is still in the matrix, they are an enemy of you. That's a fact. So it doesn't matter how much light you shine, it's only going to encourage them to come towards you. Mm -hmm. What you see in the movie, the more light he shines, the more they can find him. Mm -hmm. You understand? And so for me, when I tell you that movie was literally the blueprint for, you know, me going from eating meat, 
every day, three times a day, being angry all the time, to now doing yoga, something I never thought I would do, right, to med- right, right. meditation, to wanting to help and serve people. Like, the word serve was just always on my mind. Like, that shift, when you go through that type of shift, there really isn't, like, enough mentors there to tell you, mm-hmm. look, you're going to lose family members, you're going to lose friends, there's going to be a lot of alone time, and this is how you handle it. Right. And for me, that movie was like a blueprint, you mm. know. And uh, when I was in Egypt, I saw you went to Egypt as well. Yeah. Uh, I met this brother uh, while I'm just walking around, because I, initially I didn't want to do any tours. And I met this brother who was an elder there, and he said, I'm going to show you around. I don't want any money. And I was very surprised by that. So when he started showing me around, he would take me into the pyramids. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I want to give you um, a poem. And it was called The Light. And um, it was, Yakini, Yakini, the light surrounds me. Yakini, Yakini, light goes through me. Yakini, Yakini, I am the light. And he wouldn't tell me what it meant. And then years later, I understood what it meant. Our perception as we grow and evolve is initially the light I want to become is just surrounding me. I just want it. And then at some point, you feel it go through you. So you'll say, I'm a vessel of the light. You know, when you get those moments, you're like, I, I know that didn't come from me. You think it mm-hmm. just went through you. But eventually, you're going to realize you are the light. And so for me, like, the movie really ta- taught me that. And it showed me, like, okay, if I'm the light, then how can I live from that light instead of, you know, essentially look at it as a, something I need to become? Right. You ever done psychedelics? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. so I've done ayahuasca. Mm. Yeah. Tell me about this ayahuasca trip, brother. Yeah, so I went to uh, Peru. That was the, you know. The I knew it. You was, in Peru. Yeah. you was in Peru getting it done. <laughs> yeah, so I was in Peru. And, um, Coca leaves, ayahuasca. It was a vibe, huh? It was a vibe. And <laughs> I went down there because, um, you know, I had saw this movie called The Last Shaman. Mm-hmm. Now, in the movie, you see some people, like, there's a person who died from taking the ayahuasca. Mm. And what I believe is if you're not ready for that, you should not do it. Right. And so ready means you, if can, you have not done some of the work. Can you explain to people what ayahuasca is and, like, the process of readying and preparing yourself for it? Yeah. So the first thing first, you don't prepare it. Get you a shaman who really does it, mm-hmm. who prepares it from barks and leaves. It really comes from a bark. Mm-hmm. Okay? And uh, so it's a combination of barks and some other herbs. Okay? And they, they make it into a drink. Okay? And at night, you have to do this the same way if you were to do mushrooms. You got to do it in nature. Mm. A lot of people, when they do mushrooms, they'll do it in like an environment like this, and they don't have a good experience. Right. And it's not made for that. And so it's a ceremony. We're all in white. There's about nine of us. And um, you drink it. And initially, like, for some people, nothing happens. And then eventually it happens. And that happening can be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. For me, like, I saw my, like, ancestors. Mm. And what I mean by that is when people ask me my ideals on life, I tell them that I believe that before we come down here, we have a, we create a spiritual curriculum for ourselves for this lifetime. And there's a council of elders that help us decide those things. And some of them never want to come here. Like, they look at us as brave for coming here. So, like, that's why I had that experience with Mm. ayahuasca where my elders was telling me what my life plan was, why I came here, why the experiences I need to have. I had a cousin that died 
when I was about 13 years old that was very tra traumatic for me. They told me why that happened. I needed to know that because I couldn't move on in certain ways in my emotional body without knowing that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, that was the experience I had. And mm. but for other, other people, I heard people screaming. Mm. You know, like, that was not my experience. But I also believe that if you think that ayahuasca is going to do the work for you or any other psychedelic is going to do the work for you, I don't think it works like that. That's that's very interesting, especially with ayahuasca. We've seen a lot of different people who've taken it. I haven't done the experience, but a lot of different people who've taken it from celebrities to just regular people all talk about the same or similar experience, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's ancestors or whether they believe that they are literally in the presence of God, yeah, right? And, you know, the same chemicals that activate in the ayahuasca is already in our brain, the DMT. Yes. You understand me? And so this DMT experience that induced experience that people have is the increase, right? It's what really gives us imagination and our intuition. And, you know, the pineal and the third eye is a real thing. It's not connection a... Connection to source. Right. It's not a... I think people think about, like, the pineal gland. It's like this abstract spiritual thing sometimes, right? It's yeah. your brain. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your third eye is it's your brain. It's not a fake thing. But it's like when people go through those experiences, it's a great shedding. And the voices that you hear through these experiences are very loud, Yeah. right? Loud in a way where you can't make this up, right? Even a person with little knowledge has similar to the same experience as somebody else who's well studied on it, yeah. right? Which means that it's not curated by just your imagination, right? This is something that's happening inside the human being where you become disconnected from the material flesh that you are, yeah. right? You hop out the driver's seat of the body, right? And then you hop into the seat of the soul. Yeah. Right. And in this dimension is completely different than the dimension that we live in every single day, because you have to understand that this reality requires a lot of energy all the time yeah. to keep this fragment of a picture, these colors pixelated. Right. To be able to move like this is why they're having a hard time creating AI robots to move, even walk like human beings. Yeah. Think about like when you see them spending a billion dollars to create a robot that can walk like a human being. Think about how powerful the process that you have to do it subconsciously. Yeah. Right. That you just doing this easy. You're carrying motion. Then you have to have all of these motions, sensors detecting things at all time. Yep. Then you have this storehouse of memory that some of these memories are constantly charged up when they're not supposed to be popping up, but they're constantly in the forefront of your head. Yeah. Imagine a machine was like that where the computer, instead of doing work, there's this memory where it just keeps popping up. You know what I'm saying? Where it's supposed to be moving, flowing, and you're supposed to be on Microsoft Word or something. Right. But instead, it's popping up the time where you was downloading illegal software, right. and that was 10 years ago. But it, damn, man, you got to keep Xing it out and keep Xing it out because the memory of the computer. But computers are not like that, right? But right. human beings are. So in lieu of you having to do all of these functions to move through the world, to think, to utilize intuition, creativity, passion, focus, right, to, to hold all of your identity and who you are, in lieu of you also expressing that as you move throughout the world, your character, like human beings are the most complex entities on the planet Earth. Yeah. And so we study outside ourselves a lot, which is disrespectful to the complexity of that who we are. Indeed. Right? So when we talk about ayahuasca experiences, that's an experience in a different dimension. 
Because yeah. the, the yeah. 3D dimension that we light up to experience in this is for survival. Yep. Right? But that dimension, that's thriving. That is a higher experience. It has nothing to do with jobs, has nothing to do with yeah. work, has nothing to do with industries, capitalism, global politics. That is the experience of true self. Yeah. Right? And you don't just have to go through DMT to have that experience. You can live in the way, right, of experience and true self. But what we have to do as human beings, because we're constantly distracted, is we can't get to that part of self, yeah. right? Remember, there's, there's a kid somewhere focusing on greenhouse gases in Amazon. Yeah. You think they're going to have a connection to self? Hell no, right? But we're now developing into the next generation where it's all about internal, yeah. right? It's all about this generation where they are connected to that gamma wave, to where they're high level, they're emotionally resilient, their antennas and their awareness is, is highly connected. And yeah. All of the things that the world has been doing over the last hundreds of years to force people into becoming farmed as workers for industries from families that figured out way to create products and capitalism, the next generation is becoming completely detached from that and yep. saying that has completely zero to yep. do with life. And it's hard to get that children where they trying to make fun of the millennials and Gen Z, but it's like industrialized eras created human being in society and the way we eat, talk, drink, and right. live life, laugh, and experience emotions and relationships. And the next generation, like, bro, all oh, that's BS. Yeah. Think about it. They, in the 70s, when people was experiencing a psychedelic revolution, like, I'm going to do a whole high level on the future of psychedelics, right? The deep dive especially when it comes to the shamanic practices and rituals and scientists are now regarding those same things to be held in true as they do their case studies, right? Yeah. But in the 70s, they were trying to stop that psychedelic revolution because they believed that drugs was going to bring that about, right? People yeah. detaching from government structures, powers, and systems. But this naturally happened, right? We talk about going into different ages there are certain things that man cannot suppress for too long. The body wants to express itself. The soul wants to express itself. The spirit wants to be free. Right. right? And so human beings have a natural inclination towards nature and freedom. Yeah. Right? And what does that freedom start to look like? So you have to be careful making fun of the millennials and the Gen Z and Gen X and all of those because these are a generation who are experiencing what it's like to be a human being and they're going through a detox yeah. of everything that their grandparents and everything that's in their DNA. Yeah. And you're experiencing the flushing of those toxins, those mental toxins, right? And trying to let go of it. But they're also susceptible to new narratives that's being pushed on them because they understand what this generation is going through. Yeah. Right? So these new narratives is creating a new industry saying, oh, they're emotional right now. Well, let's push emotional narratives. Right. Let's push new agendas onto their mainframe. Yeah. Right. But you have to be careful and ask where did that come from as well? Yeah. And I think that the thing is, it's like you have a thought. A thought leads to an emotion. Mm -hmm. An emotion leads to a response and a response leads to an, a reaction. And that will essentially create a pattern. Mm. And. I think what's happening is when you look at the powers that be, they're just trying to create a pattern. Mm. And they're trying to keep people stuck in a pattern. So they're keeping you stuck on one particular emotion like fear. They're keeping you stuck on one particular emotion like self-deprecation. 
they're trying to keep us in these lower states of emotions so that we don't raise our vibration. Mm -hmm. So on one end of the coin, it's very good that we're being tapped back into those emotions because when you look at our grandparents, they weren't that emotional. Mm -hmm. uh, but now you look at now, this generation that's coming up, they may be too overly emotional without the control system to control which emotions I tap into and which emotions that I, ha I, I allow myself to always be over control because mm -hmm. when you look at the systems and uh, the social media today, they're always tapping into certain emotions. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people that emotional body can create dis-ease in your body too. Mm -hmm. Like you take a person who has a lot of anger, anger lives in the liver. So those people are going to have issues with their liver. You see what I'm saying? So it just depends on how you control. It's, it's very important that you control which emotions that you tap into because mm. emotions are vibrations and vibrations create frequencies. You know, that that's powerful because, you know, it was said that men of early days used to attach their morals to their failures, mm. right? So... You know, meaning that when a man would fail at a business, that societally, his reputation was seen as a bad person yeah. to associate with, to be around, right? And then he would turn, have a self-deprecating view of self, right? To where they would have to go and get mental assistance, you know what I mean? Because, oh, you failed at this, now you're viewed as bad and there must be something wrong with you, right? Yeah. That was early years of business, and capitalism and like entrepreneurship, you know, that community of people, like white folks, they got over that, right? Yeah. Failure is nothing to them. They look at failure, you post a fail, you know what I mean, that startup, you get back in the game, you keep going. Yeah. We're fresh in it. Yeah. So we're where they were hundreds of years ago, trying to spark industries and entrepreneurship. So when somebody fails, right, it becomes a moral attachment. Yeah. Oh, you must be a bad person. You must be a scammer or this, that, and the third, right? Yeah. Because we are attaching a moral equivalent, yeah. right, to success and failure. Yeah. Also, when a person succeeds, they must be good, yeah. right? Has nothing to do with whether that person is morally good or righteous at all, right? right? So this is how we move in society. We start attaching immoral and emotional equivalents to success and failure. Yeah. And this is why I talk about stoicness, right? This is why I talk about the boringness, right? These are those points in life where you can be in flow, right? And it doesn't have to feel like something in order for you to be in flow. You can be the greatest player in the world in the NBA, just, just won a championship, and you, society forces you to say you should feel like this afterwards. Or if you have the worst game and you don't feel super bad, oh, why don't you feel bad? Yeah. It's like, no. When you are in flow state, be in the calmness, yeah. right? And when you learn how to live in that state, that's when you can be a person that has success consistently, right? And be careful of attaching your emotions to the world standards. Yeah. Be careful of attaching your morals to the world standards, right? Because I know when new industries pop up, they're cycles. So there are cycles of how people feel about themselves. There are cycles about how society reacts. It's cycles about how you will interact. So I look at our community, brown people, you know, we are an adolescence phase of industry building and system building. Yep. We are adolescence phases, so we have to study the cycles that other people went through when they are in this same phase. Right. Right? And now you start to, I look at it from a 360 view, and I'm like, oh, 
This is why these things are happening. This is why this person is being attacked like this or that and the third. It's just because we're in an adolescent phase of this new industry is being built out. And when other people went to the same phases, the exact thing happened. That make a lot of sense. You know? Yeah. So same thing with your life cycles. Like, you're not the first person to go through health phases and spiritual phases. It's like studying the world, studying previous things, which early people did not have the ability. They were passed down information through elders. Right. Hey, baby, this is... This is what's going on. Hey, baby, these are the elixirs you use for this. Hey, right. baby, this is, you know, this is that herb and that herb. Hey, baby, this is how you deal with, you know, relationships and things of that nature. But because it's not passed in the family, right, which that family had a specific knowledge that was in tune with your DNA. Right. That was the importance of it. It was personalized wisdom and customized wisdom yeah. that, you know, your father was like this. You know, your mother was like this. Right. So, baby, when you go through this, that's just because of what your stock. Our family has always been like this. Right. But now people are learning from other people's families, right? And hoping that it actually applies to the customized knowledge of what they got passed down in their epigenetics. Right. And, and you made a good point there because that's the disconnection, the disconnection with ancestral, um, you know, connection. Mm-hmm. It's like, what we, I, and what I believe that we don't under, what we don't understand is not just the lessons we don't get, like from them being passed down. It's a possibility that the ancestor who could be teaching you something is you. Mm. Like that ancestor could be you, and you could be having another lifetime right now in this moment. Oh, that's deep right there. And wow. they're trying to give you the path to move forward because it's all about moving forward. Right. And evolving. And so when we could disconnect ourselves from our ancestors, we lose that ability to move forward. Mm. And I believe that that's one of the things that they stole from us. And they intentionally stole from us our ancestral connection. Because what you'll notice is all of the last presidents have been the same families. They're from the same blood. Right, right, right. Okay? They understand ancestral connection. Okay? But they made sure that we disconnected from that because they understand the importance of it. And because we no longer understand the importance of it, we don't always get the benefit of it. You see what I'm saying? Right. So it's so important that we start to reconnect with those things that were so important to us before. And we don't always have to have the understanding of why they were important. Right. You know, a lot of times it takes experiencing it to actually see why it's important. I mean, it's, it's, it's very evident because you talked about bloodlines, right? So when you talk about them ancestral connections as bloodlines, right? The blood is very important. Being able to think about blood as, you know, a liquid transfer of information. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's electricity. And inside that blood, you have, you know, uh, DNA, right? And that AGTC, all of that has certain expressions that you're automatically encoded with being passed down, yeah. right? So when you talk about the blood of your mother and the blood of your father, it's different, right? You can have mental transference of ideas, right, that become a sort of, you know, um, metaphysical bloodline, right, following those same ideas. But in the blood, it's information, right, that you don't even have to be taught and it's passed down because that's what's in your father and that's what's in your mother. Right. And it's like there's a, a practice now where celebrities are getting blood from young people. Yeah. Right. And like there was a time when blood was never shared like the way it's being shared today. Right. Yeah. They're trying to live forever. So you got certain celebrities um, that are, you know, practicing, 
and, and there are certain companies that are cultivating blood and they're selling it for a certain price, right? So that you can try to reverse the aging process. Yeah. And this mixture of the bloods of the planet Earth, right? It's very, it's an interesting science experiment because yeah. when you think about the the information that's being passed down, that's a very vampiric society, yeah. right? Like. You know, there used to be societies of cannibals. There were societies of what people consider to be vampires. Um, because of the obsession with bloodlines, there are societies of, you know, the so-called king had his coronation because their bloodline is supposed to be, you know, whatever the hell that's supposed to be over yeah. there. Do you feel me? But it's like, imagine if you had that level of respect and honor to your own bloodline. Right. It would change who you ever talk to, yep. right? It, you 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 see your bloodline is royal. Yep. You wouldn't even mate with certain people. People hate their baby mothers and baby fathers, yep. right? But imagine if you like, oh, man, I come from royal stock. I'm not I'm not messing my blood with a peasant. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, girl, you got your family got issues and problems. I can't I can't consummate this. I can't have sex with you because what if you have my baby and I don't want that to be a new bloodline. Right. But when you think like that, what it automatically do is it projects your thoughts into the future, yeah. right? And now it incurs a responsibility beyond the moment of what we're about to do, which is this satisfaction of lust, to extending self, right? Which is another level of immortality, yeah. right? Because while some people, you know, are thinking about immortality through, and it used to be through the extension of bloodlines, right? As long as your blood is flowing, you're immortal. Yeah. Because you live inside that DNA. Yeah. So you extend yourself to your son. Your yep. son is extended through his son. Yep. And so on and so forth, right? And you can populate the world from, you know, one couple that can have offsprings of thousands to millions of people. Yeah. That's an extension of immortality. I don't need to be physically here, right? Spiritually and metaphysically I'm here. Then there's immortality through legacy. Yep. The observation of my consciousness and my previous presence and my spirit lives on through the tongue of those who speak my name yep. and lives on in the consciousness and lives through the impact of my energy that I left as a signature of the work that I've done while I was here. Right. Right. So when you stop becoming spiritual, then you want immortality through the physical. Right. But we are spiritual people, which is why we've always poured our libation for the ancestors, yeah. because the presence of them is not around us, it's in us. In us. And right. Yeah. And when I look at my brother, you have an ancestral line that's in you. Yeah. So I'm looking at ancestors as I'm looking at you because you have the genetic makeup of the last a thousand ancestors that you come from. Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, my thing is, is that as I evolve and I hope others are evolving, too, is that, you know, Man, you know, there's a what we've found through the genome is that there's an actual spirit gene. Mm. And what that means for us is this. We pass on ourselves through spirit, but spirit is not time bound. So I even think for like, you know, my children, my children of the future. Like I think for myself, like what I what I continue to do will also impact them. Mm -hmm. And so what I continue to connect in my spirit will also connect in their spirit as well, too. Right. And I just hope that we understand the, the impact of doing the work while we're here on this earth. Because, you know, like, I, I also believe that when you don't do it, one, you struggle. And when you don't do it, you're going to have to repeat. And I think that's why a lot of people 
end up having these repeat experiences. Like, you know, for a woman who keeps getting the same type of man coming into her life, it's mm -hmm. because you haven't learned the lesson. And the energy and the vibration that you're on is only attracting that because that's the lesson that you haven't achieved in life. So, wait a minute. Cause you, what is a spirit gene exactly? Okay, so like a lot of what they broke down when they went through the, uh, the DNA, they considered junk DNA initially. Mm -hmm. uh, but as they started to unravel and understand it a little bit better, they started to understand that there was something that was a little bit more... Uh, I guess the best way to kind of explain it was more like quantum mechanics. Mm -hmm. There was something that they really couldn't explain that was tapped into more of an another dimension. Mm -hmm. And for me, the only way I can explain that is his spirit. Mm. And so, like, it's like I said initially, like, I believe that we're s spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings having a you know, a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, I believe that we come into this form to experience limitation because the spirit is unlimited. And so we come into the human body to experience limitation. And that a limitation is set up based upon what we want it to be. And so with that being said, um, well, where does the spirit reside? Because when we die, guess what? You know, if you weigh us before we died and you weigh us right after we die, we weigh the same amount of weight. Mm -hmm. So where does the spirit live? It lives in the DNA. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And when when the body is no longer a vehicle, then that spirit lifts up. It ascends out, up out of us and goes into a new experience. Mm. Holistic doctor. My doctor ain't never told me that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what it's about. Like, the, the way I look at things is that, man, we have to start looking at health and healing from a totally different perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, it's much deeper than just getting rid of diabetes and hypertension. Right. Like, it's about elevating. It's about ascending. It's about experiencing life in the way where we are intended to experience it. Mm -hmm. And for us to be able to do that, yeah, I see a lot of people who heal, get rid of diabetes and, you know, hypertension. I mean, I, that's how I started my journey. I, had, yeah. I, I got diagnosed with hypertension when I was 16. Mm. And I lived with it into my 20s. And it wasn't until I thought I was going to have a stroke because I'm, as I'm at the hospital, I'm seeing brothers and sisters come in there who are in their 30s having strokes. Mm -hmm. And I'm about to be 30. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is going to be me. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't until that experience that I said, all right, I need, need to take care of myself better. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like what I really, you know, took for that experience and I really want to give to other people is that. You know, I thought that that was the end-all, be-all, to get rid of the hypertension, to get rid of the sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. But what I got out of the experience beyond just getting healthy was far more than that. It was a spiritual experience to go through that healing. So that's why I really don't, if I refer to myself as a healer, it's only from the sense that I heal myself. Because I believe that everybody is here on this earth to do that work. Everybody's supposed to be their own healer. And so I'm an inspiration of healing for other people to become their own healers. Mm -hmm. But the, the important healing I think that people need to do is like the spiritual healing. Mm -hmm. Because that's what's going to kind of elevate us into understanding what this life is really about. It's far beyond just this physical form that we're experiencing. Right. You know? Now, as somebody who was a, a previous pharmacist, right, and, you know, the the... the 
I've talked about this previously. Everybody is always high these days because yeah. we always get high off something now, right? Yeah. We don't we don't know level states anymore, right? You know, uh, uh, pharmacy comes from pharmacia, right? Yeah. You know, and it can be broken down to meaning a, a drug, um, you know, a poison, right? Yeah. Or essentially like a medicine. You feel me? And so when I look at the pharmaceutical industry. Some of them are drugs, some of them are medicine, some of them are poisons. Yeah. Right? How did you feel morally about the practice of the pharmaceutical industry, right? Especially as you develop in consciousness. Yeah. So, I mean, everything is about elevating. So you start where you are. So in my mind, you know, watching my grandmother die when I was 15 as a result of colorectal cancer, and literally, I walked in the house. She was waiting for me to get there. I said a few words, and she passed away. And having that experience, I just wanted to help my people heal. So I went to what I knew was best. So I go to the pharmacy school. I graduate. And you have the experience where you realize that that is, isn't the true healing. How many years of school was that? Eight. And so, like, but what I, I always, I'm always reflective. So I remember, like, during the 90s, one of my relatives cooking crack on the stove. Mm -hmm. And I marveled at the fact that you can turn this powder into a hardened substance. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, that was chemistry. So when I yeah. went to school, I'm like, I want to learn chemistry. Mm -hmm. That looked like chemistry. So when I asked my teacher about it, they said, that's why I got so involved in chemistry. Well, when they was cooking this crack, was it for usage or selling? To sell. Okay. And um, Just for context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I go to school. I say, I'm going to be a chemistry major. Like, that was dope to me, like, to watch it. That was dope to you. And so now I go to school, and I ask the teacher, well, how do you form a, like, take powder and form, like, a heart? He's like, well, that's, you crystallize it. <laughs> no, I asked him. You had to ask the trap boy questions. <laughs> but he had the answers. Yeah, he had the answers. And so when he explained it to me, it just made me fall in love uh -huh. with chemistry. Yeah. Now, as I go through school, what I realized was whether you're a doctor or pharmacist, questions. doctor or pharmacist, you learn inorganic chemistry mm -hmm. and organic chemistry. Yeah. Inorganic chemistry is man-made chemistry. Yeah. It's the unnatural side of chemistry. Mm. It's a rock. It's synthetic whatever they make right. in the lab. Organic side of chemistry is biology. It's us. It's right. nature. It's and things food. that are natural elements on the periodic table. Yes. And so as I'm going through this transformation in my health and trying to figure out things, I'm trying to figure out, well, why doesn't this, why do these drugs only treat the symptoms? They don't heal anybody. And it was like, well, what's, what side of chemistry are you on? I'm on the inorganic side, the unnatural. I said, well, it makes sense. Like, I'm natural. Right. And I'm putting something unnatural in my body, hoping that it will do a natural thing, which is mm -hmm. to heal and regenerate. That probably doesn't make sense to the body. Let me take the perspective of what happens when I put something natural or organic in my body. What happens? And that was the whole idea. Mm -hmm. Now, I felt like a hypocrite because, you know, as I go through this healing transformation and People are noticing, like, I'm one of the only black doctors there, and, you know, my lab coat is now slouching on me. Like, I look 10 years younger, et cetera. And they're starting to ask me, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And I'm writing down on a prescription pad, like, hey, this is what I did. Go home, do this for, like, a month, and let me know how it goes. And I got people coming back, like, doc, that shit worked. Yeah. 
and then I have people calling up there to the hospital like, hey, let me speak to the the, the, the black the black pharmacist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what's up? And they're like, I need that thing you gave my uncle. And I'm like, what thing are you talking about? He's like, oh, okay, so I probably should just come up there. I shouldn't have called her. And, I'm, and that was that moment that I was like, what I'm doing isn't for the better of the hospital. Right. If you got to do something that... If you got to heal people on the low. On the low. <laughs> on the low. Like, it was that moment. It was like, damn, like, I'm a, hip- I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. You know, and and it wasn't from the sense of, like, I wanted to be one, but what I do was putting me in a position to be a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And so that was the moment that I literally said, I'm going uh, to take some time off. I walked away from my promising career. And that's how I ended up taking a job in Japan mm-hmm. uh, and moving there. What was the job in Japan? So, I wor- again, I worked at a hospital. But the, okay. the caveat was, hey, if I come out there, I've been reading about these people in the blue zone out there. Mm-hmm. They live to 100, eat primarily a plant-based diet, and die quietly in their sleep. Can you hook it up where I can go and spend some time with them every weekend and do mm. research? So that was the exchange. Right. I go work, do my thing out there. But as long as I can learn from these people, that was the exchange. How long you plan on living? Until my work is done. Mm. You want to be a centurion? I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Centenarian? Because I, I look believe. at life different. Yeah. I believe that if I die right now, I will wake up a minute later a baby in Peru. Boom. Mm, ready okay, to go again, yeah. Do the work again. So the way that I look at life is different. I don't look at it like I need to live to 120 or 100. I look at it totally different. I like that. Now, in the blue zones, you got Italy, Spain, France, and Japan. Those were the top four. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, you know, when you go visit, I've been to France and Italy. I haven't been to Japan and Spain yet. But the, the, the pace of life, Right? It's much calmer. Yes. You know I mean? That's why I would frame that, right? Yeah. Even though a lot of those places, they smoke a lot of cigarettes. Yeah. Especially in, like, Italy. Like, they still smoke cigarettes inside of restaurants. It's yeah. terrible. But the pace of living, it just feel more relaxed. Yeah. Right? And the food quality in different places of them in outside America is completely different. Like, I don't think you would have to avoid meat, especially if you didn't live in America. Right, but the meat in America is just of a terrible quality. The vegetables and the fruit in America don't taste the same. Right, I was just in Jamaica, and it's, number one, the air quality is just different. We just seen the air quality crisis that was going on in New York. Yeah. Right, but the 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 particles per matter and the hoods of America is terrible. Right, yeah. people don't even know. A lot of people that have never left the hood have never experienced a real fresh breath of air. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, like. Like, you can go from uh, out here from Compton to Beverly Hills, and the air quality is completely different, yeah. right? They have signs that says no smoking, right, on the sidewalks. Yeah. So you're going to breathe differently. Some people have never been to the ocean, right, yeah. have never grounded and taken their shoes off and, you know, allowed themselves 20 minutes on the ground to recharge up and get their blood flowing. Yeah. So most people are living almost in, like, a almost dead state, yep. right? And so telling somebody, you know, the effects of eating is something they've never experienced. So you're saying something completely foreign to them. Yeah. Right? It's like telling them, go visit an alien world, right? Yeah, yeah. But these are true, like, there's enough science out there where it's like, you know, when they change the diets of prisoners, it decreases 
like suicide by almost 100%. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Violence by like 50%, right? And, and stress and anxiety is just cut all the way down just through improving food, Yep. right? So when you look at areas that have food deserts, that have bad air quality, that have stressful environments, that have low education, that are always busy, this is an environment that is created to kill people. Yep. This is an environment that is created to decrease the life expectancy of those people. 100%. Right? Cut that all the way down. Right? And so you have to really think about the quality of life that you want to live. Right? Like you said, it's the longevity of life, that's up to you. If you want to live to 120, you know what I'm saying? By all means. But what about the quality of life while you're living? Because anything exactly. can happen. So I want to feel good every day. Yeah. Right? Like, I have a lot of energy. Right? Like, you know, as you get older, I study different things about myself. I feel so much lighter that I've been fasting uh, uh, over the last, you know, couple of weeks. My body feels lighter. Yeah. There's no back pain. Right? Yeah. And even addressing that, you can go to the chiropractor, which, you know, some chiropractors I think are, are very kind of holistic sometimes. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them, they're not going to tell you to do the thing that's going to strengthen your back. Yeah. Because they want you to keep coming there so they can keep cracking your back. Right. Right. But what I learned is, damn, I, I did my own independent research and I learned three different exercises to do. And now I don't have any back pain. Yeah. Right. Versus there was never I went through a lot of different chiropractors and not one of them told me one regiment or one single exercise ever to strengthen my back. Me, not though. once. Not that I think about it. Right? Yeah. But when I learned it and I did the, the deadlifts and I did the squats and I did this other one and this other little exercise, it went away instantly. Yeah. Why? Because you wouldn't think about stepping into a chiropractor office if you feel amazing. Right. Right? So it's not just hospitals, you know what I'm saying, and pharmacies. And it's like all of these people, you have to think about how they're being incentivized yeah. to keep their careers and increase their bottom line and your illness, your treatment is is their lifestyle. That's that's how they, that's their bread and butter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So a society healed, that destroys industries. All industries, there's all a, major industries. There's a certain amount of there's a certain if you heal the black community, there's a certain entertainment we're not watching anymore. Yeah. That industry just is just decimated. If you teach black people about nutrition and mineralizing their bodies and eating right and being in the sun, there's certain fast food companies that just disappear because they're yeah. placed all throughout the hood. Yeah, they, they're just gone, yeah. right? You teach black people about financial literacy, right? There's certain segments, like let's say even the, the, the landlords and the renter relationship that we have Secure with people outside cars. our community is gone. Yeah. Right? The banking relationships, they're gone just by educating the people. Yeah. Right? Just by healing the people. Right? So, you know, the clubs are not filled on Saturday because the club should be, if you're going to go to the club, you should have something to celebrate. Yeah. Right? It should not be an escapism from a lack of things to celebrate. Yeah. Right? So the club is a coping mechanism because people don't like their lives and they need some excitement. So I don't want to think about real life for a second. I want to go drink. I'm going to go smoke. And I'm going to find being in an environment of socialization of people doing the same thing. So I don't think about reality. Disconnect from myself. Right. The people that deserve to celebrate are often not even there celebrating. Yeah. Right. Like if I'm going, this is, this is what I, I should say for everybody to do it. Like if you're going to go, Always have something you're celebrating and don't go until you celebrate. Yeah. 
So it becomes a place of real reward versus a place of escapism. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think that disconnection from self, there's, there's, a, um, there's a, a poet and a writer named Leo Tolstoy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had this reoccurring nightmare where it would be the desert and his, his boots, and the boots would be walking in the desert. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the dream, although it doesn't seem like a nightmare, was a nightmare for him because he would have this dream reoccurring. Mm. And he, w- he hired all of these psychologists to figure out what the hell is this dream, dream interpreters. Nobody really could tell him something that made him connect with, oh, this is why. And finally, he discovered, like, the boots represented him, and the boots were essentially him walking away from himself. Mm. And so many people do that in their lives. Like, they create these methods of distractions so that they don't have to be with themselves. Right. So that they don't have to be present because they don't enjoy the life and all the, the things that they've chose to have in their life, you know. Um, and as a result, they just decide, I'm going to disconnect and go into this new, new life or this uh, perform life uh, as a result of to escape. And so what we see now is like people are at the club, they got the selfie stick out, they're doing the, right. the camera action, and then they're smiling, 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 the camera goes off and they're like this. Because it's not real anymore. Nah, Nothing it's not. Anymore. I, I think like this, this is a challenge to the world. Like even though that, that millionaire is going, he's going crazy with all the stuff that he's doing, right? Way too much, right? Um, but when you're talking about your biological age, right? Because you have to, we, I think we start, you have to get to a point where we have a way of measuring, right? The things that we take and yeah. whether they're working for us, right? Like if you fast and you change your environments and let's say a person follows a regimen that you recommend, now you can go do these biological, you know, tests to see your age, and now you can see if these things are working. Yeah. Because they should be reversing the age that you know your body is in, and the way, and the connection between how your genes are expressing to this environment, and your environment, and your lifestyle, is what they're measuring. Right. You know what I mean? So if you're changing your environment, you're changing your lifestyle. You should start to see your biological clock reverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So it's it's not enough to just say, oh, I'm a plant based person. I'm better than everybody. No. How about you put it to a test? Because yeah. at first these things were only just for the wealthy. Right. Now the average person actually has the ability to go get them a biological test right. and see that, OK, from from month one, I'm going to try these things. And then from month six, I'm going to see where I'm at. Right. right. So now we have a way of, you know, collecting data on ourselves. Right. And having this society of self-improvement. Yeah. I see Apple is now doing the mindfulness on the watches. Right. Yeah. We got a, a mindfulness crown coming out. We have always done the EMF crowns and things of the nature. We've always been a mindfulness company. Right. That's why we have, you know, the gold waters and the sea moss and the smart moss. And, you know, we got the cordyceps, the functional mushrooms. You dig. Yeah. But. I just start plugging in. I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I start selling it. I forgot what I was saying. No. Peace. If you want to be an affiliate of Gold Water Corp, tap into 323-577-6692. Text affiliate to that number. See you on the other side of greatness. Peace.
but but we we should have ways to measure you know what i mean the success of our rituals yeah, yeah. and i would rather that be a part of our new culture that we're building out because we have a lot of liabilities um most of our lifestyle is is a liability towards us it's yeah. it's, it's a death culture and i want to create a life culture yeah. you know what i'm saying like people say that they're life coaches right but if you're a life coach, then you should be helping people with longevity. You should yes. be increasing the quality of life that people live. And we have to make a new standard that you can't be an unhealthy doctor. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, 100%. You can't be an unhealthy doctor, right? You can't be a policeman walking around with trauma and issues. Yeah. Right? Like, you shouldn't be on your job if that's the case. You can't be a doctor that's not healed. And I'm talking about not just from a physical level, right, but from a psychological and a spiritual level as well. Right. The, the, the doctor in, the, in the, the hospital industry, in the medical industry rather, is terrible because these doctors are overworked. They're exhausted. Yeah. They have stress. They have a high divorce rate, right? Yeah. They have illnesses and things of that nature as well. They smoke a lot of cigarettes a lot of times. Yeah. So it's like how you got issues and problems and you the person that's supposed to help me. That yeah. doesn't make sense. You don't go to a fool for wisdom, yeah. right? Even if that fool can recite some wise things. Yeah. So no, I need to go to somebody who's practicing right what their profession is because you're supposed to be a practitioner of medicine yeah. right so that should be in your life as well yeah right not just when you're diagnosing someone yeah you know what i'm saying so i think that we just have to up the standards on everything like i went through a healing journey myself just to get better in all areas because you know nobody wants to be a hypocrite of the things that they teach right Right, and you can be a much better vessel when you represent it from inside, not just outside. Right, and it illuminates. Yes, when you're actually living that lifestyle, and um, you know, like I was just watching on YouTube, and somebody had created a video on me. They was like, "These plant-based doctors out here lying about." I seen that video. Meat. And I'm like, no, they was just saying lying. So I had seen the video for like two months, like just come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, let me click. It and was see only what a few about. minutes. I, I, then, I, I seen the, the the just what it was about. Yeah, he was like, like there's no way he is big and mm -hmm. only eating plants. I yeah. was like, oh, this is a compliment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the way I look at things. Is like, I just want to be the light that shines bright enough for those who are looking for a light. Right. And and that's crazy because you know, it's people that's in strongman competitions that are vegans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. There's especially with somebody like that. There's no benefit of lying. Like yeah. you either win the competition or you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, a lot of people can't believe when somebody can do things that they can't. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Like, if if somebody is reaching a level that you haven't, you are you are in awe that they have went beyond your limitations. Yeah. And I, you know, like. That just comes from the disconnectedness that people experience within themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's just simply shining on the outside in the comments or mm -hmm. through a, somebody taking time enough to create a video about you. And so well, when, yeah. I, when, I, when I see that, I don't, I don't see it as hate. I don't see it as, you know, something I need to get angry about. I, when I see stuff like that, I just see it as an opportunity for people to get better. Well, and also, you know... Uh, people just be spreading awareness sometimes about you in the form of they think that they hate you. But what I realize is that these are just content creators and they didn't need content to make. And a lot of times people are not interesting enough to be the subject of their own content. Indeed. So they find other interesting people that they use as a subject for their content. 
So if you happen to be growing, you happen to be building something or interesting or got the so-called clout at that moment, I'm trying to find a reason to make content about you. And I'm not just going to make content praising you. So it's more polarizing to try to make content that is exposing you. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, and I had, uh, I had this physician, uh, one of his patients did my detox, and they had type 1 diabetes mm -hmm. and hypertension. And so uh, they do the detox, go on my you know, meal plan for like a month, and the doctor had to take them off of the insulin. It mm. wasn't because I took them off because I can't do that. But what, what was happening was I told him, you need to monitor your insulin, monitor your blood pressure twice, three times a day. Keep it and record it and show it to the doctor every day, okay? Because what will happen is if you keep somebody on insulin and they don't need it, they can go become hypoglycemic. They can go into a stroke. Same thing with uh, high blood pressure. If their blood pressure is getting, is normalizing, and you have a medication. Medication is manipulation. It doesn't know when the blood pressure is normal. However, when you're eating and using natural foods to heal yourself, yeah. it knows when it normalizes. You get normal, and then it says, all right, we're good. Mm -hmm. So, like, what happened was they go in twice. They're showing them, like, look, like, I'm getting scared. You know, like, my blood pressure is normal now. My blood sugars are normal now. Like, I'm still on this insulin stuff. So eventually he has to take them off both, right? Mm. And then she finally, I was like, I told her, do not tell. I said, tell him you're doing the detox, but don't go in there saying, like, this detox healing me and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, just tell him you're on the detox to make sure he's cool with it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now that he's taken off the medication, he had a YouTube channel. <laughs> he talked, he talking about me in third person, but he said, like, these people out here, selling people and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. So I just reached out to him. I was like, uh, I told her to give me his number. I reached out to him. I was like, hey, this is Dr. Price. I wanted to talk to you. And he's quiet for a second, and I'm like, no, nah, it's not that kind of conversation. I was like, I don't need you to, like, pub me or anything like that, but I want you to look inside of yourself and ask yourself, you have a patient who no longer has to take hypertension medication, you have a patient who no longer has to take insulin, which increases the risk of heart failure, heart attacks, et cetera. I was like, this is a good thing. I was like, don't deter them because what's going to happen is she'll go back to eating the way she was eating and then she'll right. be back on the medication. That, that, that to me, I think is a key because every single day there are people that are eating terrible. Yeah. There are millions upon millions and millions of coca-cola there's billions of pounds of sugar being taken in per day there are trillions of dollars being made on the death of people based on their lifestyle choices right. now doctors are not adamant they're not loud they're not yelling at pharmaceutical they're not yelling at pharmaceutical companies they're not yelling at you know uh, food industry food industry meat industry none of that right so for them to be yelling at, you know, practitioners of holistic, you know, healing practices and things of that nature makes no percent sense at all, especially when that's a small percentage of the population right. that are providing alternatives to the mainstream. Right. You're right. Drugs of side effect right. and drugs of chance. So it's like if you are a, a doctor 
and you are not yelling at the sugar, right, industries, and you're not yelling at the soda companies, then I don't want to hear shit you got to say about somebody that is telling people about remedies to right. get them better right. and telling them to choose, you know, a healthy alternatives than drugs that you know have side effects. Right. And you know that the efficacy rate is not 100%, right? right? So it's like, that just makes you a hypocrite and it makes you a liar and it makes you morally corrupt in my eyes, right? right. Because we now have information. Everybody should always do their own independent research. Yep. The thing about what we're going to hear with technology is a lot of doctors are going to become subsequently irrelevant, yep. especially as AI is personalizing physician care for people, right? When people really start taking, you know, these swabs and this DNA tests and all these you know, tech companies get deeper into it, they're going to be gathering information from the average person and technology will be your healthcare provider, yeah. right? And these doctors are going to be, especially the ones that never told you what right to do, you're going to be like, why my doctor never told me this? Right. Why my doctor never mentioned anything about how to eat to live, right? right? All they did was tell me different regiments of pharmaceuticals and things to take because what? They get paid off these prescriptions. Yeah. If there was no incentive at all, right, it'd be easier to believe a doctor was doing it because they thought it was the best. But when there's incentives involved and these companies, hey, this is my new drug. Hey, you know, if you, you know what I'm saying, you get this, this is a premium you get on this. You feel me? Yeah. That's different. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's really scary is that some of them are incentivized in different ways and then some of them aren't. The truth is... A lot of them just don't know. They don't know, bro. Like... <laughs> when I tell you, like, the number one cause of death for a cardiologist is heart disease. Mm. That's the number one cause of death for somebody mm. who's supposed to be an expert at heart disease. That's crazy. That's the number one cause of death. So the truth of the matter is they don't know. I remember, like, some of my final days in the hospital, we had, like, a potluck. And, of course, I bring all my veggies in there. And then one of the doctors bought, like, a seven-cheese it was either lasagna or, like, mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. And I was like, bro, you on high cholesterol medication. You yeah. do not need that. And he was like, oh, I'm just going to double the dose. So it just told me, like, thinking that the pharmaceutical industry has really put into medical schools and pharmacy school, it illuminates in the practitioners as well. Oh, 100%. And, and that makes sense because when you go back and you look in, like, the early 1900s, Rockefeller really created how we move in medicine today. A hundred percent. Because how he, what, what happened was, he had scientists determined that a lot of the vitamins and minerals that we know today, that are in synthetic form, they were initially byproducts of oil products. Mm. Okay, petroleum. So the first vitamin, vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C, they were using petroleum to extract those vitamins. Okay. So he saw a way into the medical field. So what he did was he hired a group of people. They created what is known as the Flexner Report. That report changed the entire medical school. It, it eliminated 50% of medical schools. And it said if you, you cannot do any natural therapies, you'll notice that no doctors do any natural therapies. They used to do Reiki. They used to do all kind of energy work. They mm -hmm. used to do herbals. They do none of that anymore. And right. The reason why, and this is really Like important. Eastern medicine. Yes, it was all incorporated. The reason why is because, A, you can't patent anything that is natural, okay? And that's important because you can't control the price now. You can't, you can't patent Sarasat, okay? 
you can patent, you know, a version of that if you extracted it out and made a synthetic version of it, though. Right. And so when you're able to patent something, you take something like Lipitor, which was one of the number one selling drugs for cholesterol. Once you patent something like that, you can make billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. Mm. And the unfortunate thing is, based upon the Hippocratic Oath and also um, legality issues, most doctors won't even make a recommendation for any sort of natural remedy because of the potential for lawsuit, because Mm -hmm. we live in a very litigious society. So they don't know anything about it because aid of the legality issue, but also about 1% of medical schools require their physicians to know anything about nutrition. Mm. So if they don't know anything about nutrition, they can't make any recommendations Mm. for you. And as a matter of fact, the recommendations that they do make for you, they're layman. They're they're just as good as yours. Right. So that's why I always tell people. I mean, there's no fruits or vegetables in any hospitals in the world almost. Most of the time, it's a McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A in there. I mean, and if you look at what a patient receives when they're inpatient, in the hospital, in a bed, you look at that meal, it's all processed. So it tells you, like, the healthcare system is really a sick care system mm-hmm. because they don't understand what actually heals people. They only understand how to treat people. And treatment is manipulation. That's what pharmaceuticals is. It manipulates your biochemistry. Mm. It manipulates your biochemistry to make your blood pressure go down. It manipulates your blood sugars to go down. It manipulates your thyroid, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas when you look at natural medicine, it's not manipulation. It's correction of the biochemistry. So mm-hmm. it's totally different. I mean, the word cure is almost non-existent nowadays. Yeah. Like if right? You, you ask a doctor, am I going to have to take this for the rest of my life? They're going to always tell you yes mm. for most things. Which is crazy. Because there's, to them, the word cure is like, that's why they say, like, you cannot use that word on your website mm-hmm. for anything. Not even pharmaceutical companies can use cure. Mm-hmm. Because they know nothing cures anything. So, and especially if you like a herbalist or a holistic doctor, you that's key words that Except you cannot Except the mind. Use. But see, that's the danger of when they took it away. They destroyed the ability for the mind to connect itself, right, into for the body to heal itself through belief. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, when you say, hey, I'm going to put you on this regimen, you go exercise, you go eat right. Even if it's a pharmaceutical, you go take this drug and it's going to kill your, cure you in the next six months. Your yeah. body starts to prepare yeah. to eliminate that disease and for you to be completely cured yeah. versus I'm going to treat you. And, um, you know, you're going to have to go through this treatment for the rest of your life. Your body is preparing for the treatment for the rest of his life right. from a, 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 a mental level, right, that informs the body on what's about to happen. So, hey, yeah. this is the state that we're about to be in. We stuck. Right, for life. So yeah. it's like, all right, cool. If that's the, the pact that we're making with ourselves, then I'm signing up for it. If you with it, I'm with it. Right. But if you say cure, you're like, okay, so you want me to completely eliminate this, right. right? You don't just want me to kind of regulate the issue. You want me to get rid of it, right? Right. Yeah, I want you to get rid of it. So now you 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 take your regimens, your, your, your vegetables, your detox, your fasting. You got your oils going on. Whatever you're doing in your practice of life right. is preparing your body to get completely rid of, which means that it's going to express a completely different outcome than what is currently going through right, right. now. 
right? That's a completely different reality. So words are very powerful. So taking that word away and taking the cures away, yeah. the ability for the body to cure itself completely, because we know for a fact that placebos work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if placebos work, how is there not more exploration into the benefits and the ability of the mind to produce placebo effects? Yeah. Yeah, and we and like I said earlier, we know that the body is a terrible master but a wonderful slave. Mm-hmm. So if the mind believes that it can be cured, it right. sends a signal to the body to initiate the action. Exactly. But without the belief that that is even possible, it can't even initiate that action. Right. So that's why a lot of people, despite much effort, don't actually receive the healing. I mean, if you don't believe it's possible, then it doesn't even start. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Impossible. So, I, 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 first of all, I appreciate your time and your energy here today. You know, there, there, there's a lot to discuss when we talk about healing and we talk about health, right? You know, all around the world, people are suffering. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm talking about deep suffering on all levels. Your financial health, your spiritual health, your mental health, your physical health, your soul's health, right? You know, on a soul level... Those are your principles and your values that you hold a moral attachment to, right? right? On, on a spiritual level, it's what drives you. It's your passion. It's your energy that gets you up every single day. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's your will, right, to live and to move forward, right? On a physical level, it's how you actually feel. You know what I'm saying? It's the way that your body is dealing with the expression of those other two dimensions, your right. soul and your spirit, Right. And based on your soul and your spirit or your psyche and your psyche is being fed the right things, then now it's going to feed the body the right things and the body is going to express itself in the right way. Right. Your genes are going to express themselves in the right way. Right. But currently, you know, we talked about telomeres and telomeres having that little cap on there. And that shit is rusting away for a lot of people fast. Right. And when that cap and that stuff rust all the way away, you die. Right. So there's processes inside your body that are affected by every single thing that you do. Every thought that you have is sending a signal throughout the body. Right. Every cell is reacting to it. Right. In your environment, you are reacting to your environment constantly. The color, the air quality, the food that you eat. And you can take all of that for granted. But when you don't treat a car right, eventually it breaks down. Indeed. Right? And that car feels great when you're driving it, you're on the highway, it's getting you from place to place. But the moment it breaks down, it causes grief and stress in your life. Yeah. Now you have to figure out a way to compensate without that vehicle. But the thing about the body is, you can't just get a new body. Yeah. I mean, unless you go into Dr. Miami or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we ain't talking about that. We talking about you only get one of these things. Yeah. You feel me? So you have to treat it in a manner to where you want it to work forever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what you want. You want your mind to work forever. Dementia is, you know, increasing in younger populations and today. Younger. Yeah. younger and younger people are forgetting things, right? Their memory is not as sharp. Because they smoke and read, that's the equivalent to crack. Yep. You know what I mean? They go in stress. That's equivalent to somebody being in a war-torn environment. Yeah. Right? And so now you're you suffering at a level you know, unseen in populations before, yeah. right? And your coping mechanisms may not be alcohol, may not be drugs, it may be social media, yeah. right? And now you're stuck in this internal loop of never, ever getting to joy because the way that you're creating joy is a faux joy, yeah. right? It's not real intimacy, it's faux intimacy. Mm-hmm. So all of your connections are fake. 
Everything is just fake. Right. So at this world is going to a more artificial capacity, we have to tap back into nature at a high level. Indeed. There are certain people that just won't make it because yeah. the world is speeding up. Transhumanism is here. People think that they need to connect it to robots just to keep up in this world. Right. Just thinking about that thought is crazy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like people are already to attach to neural links. Because they say, well, shit, if everybody around me start getting smarter, I'm going to need that too. So that, why? You can increase your ability to make more money and compete in the workplace. This is a sickness that is driving people to make decisions that are completely bad for them. So if you never get to a state of wealth, right, happiness, joy, peace, right, then you're always going to make poor decisions, right, from survival, stress, and anxiety, and that's going to drive you to do things that is going to put you in an early death, yeah. right? So we're trying to get people to continue to tap in, continue to detox yourself, continue to fast, get your spiritual rest, not just physical rest, but get rest, drink your water, exercise, work out, change your social groups, you know, cut off things that are not needed for you. Like, fellas, I just seen a report that over 50% of women are only going to dinner for you for the food. You know what I'm saying? They don't really like you. All right, so stop taking all these goddamn dinner dates, you know what I'm saying? And ladies, stop going on these dates, you know what I mean, for food. You, you, that's, 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 that's homosexual stuff, okay? Stop acting homeless out here in these streets. We got to get a little better, you know what I mean? You should be sitting your ass at home and fasting anyway because that gut is gutting right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got way too much extra layers because of all of the food and the dairies, the sugars, the ultra-processed foods. It's all, it's all right here. You look pregnant, you know what I'm saying? But you're definitely not pregnant right now. You know what I'm saying? So I want to help you all just shed all of that old stuff because a layer of that comes from stress. A layer of that comes from insecurity. Another layer of that comes from a lack of self-love. So when these things are missing, then this starts to increase. And even if it doesn't increase in the forms of extra layer of skin and fat on your body as obesity, it increases inside yourself, right? Starting to rot from the inside because it becomes a level of shame and self-hate. Right. And then that will make you do things that will make you have to numb yourself and feel shameless about it because you know that they don't connected to your soul. So we want people to tap in at a high level. We try to teach you how to live forever through your legacy, through your bloodline. Right. And through your impact, because as a melanated people who have been here since the beginning of time, we don't need to live to forever physically because we already go live forever spiritually. I'm 19 Keys. It's been a high-level conversation with the good doc. Make sure y'all tap in for more. Follow my brother. Get his book. We got all his socials up there. Follow his regiment. Do your own research. Study. See if this is the person for you. We're going to continue to bring more people that I think can help enhance your life and keep you at a high level. On next time, high-level conversations. Peace. My brother, thank you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I just believe that um, I'm a vessel for providing light on the importance of healing and health because it's really a conduit. It's not be healthy just for the sake of being healthy. It's be healthy for the sake of being the best and highest version of yourself. And what I believe is, is that, especially for our community, uh, for us as black people, we are the kings and queens that we know that we are. 
But you cannot be a king and queen if you're not acting through your best version of yourself. And so I believe that my job and my mission is to sort of show people what that light and what that path is. And not by telling them what to do, but to be, just be a source of inspiration through my own life. Well, you know, the, there's so many things that's always changing in the health field. And there's really a lot to go over when it comes to health. You can't, you, you're never done with the subject, right? Um, there's a lot of science and there's a lot of nuance involved when it comes to going over nutrition, exercise, diet, drugs. Um, and a lot of what we talked about sometimes is some of what's going on in the world and understanding what's happening. Like the practices with these billionaires, right? Them getting blood from young people, them taking leeches and trying to suck the, the toxins out their body or cryotherapy or, you know, digital transfers of consciousness. Um, but at the same time, I think we, we also went into the history of America and the food industry, right? As I'm learning, there's more information that I want to present. And I want to make sure that I have somebody high level to be in conversation and concert with that frequency as I present it to the world at the same time. So, you know, it's, it's never too much. And this brother is different than our other guests because he's the first doctor that we had on that actually went through the schooling and education and then find himself on the holistic side, right? So I believe that that was a very interesting experience that he've had. Like we've had people who are nutritionalists that, you know, are self-taught, right? Um, we have the good brother Yaki that was on here who provided a, a wealth of information. And so it's good to have variations, right? Um, because each person will appeal to somebody. There's more than one doctor in the world. There's more than one healer in this world. There's more than one shaman in this world. And, you know, no matter how good you are, you may not be the person that can help that person on a journey. And one of the most important things on a health journey is having somebody to go along with you, whether it's an accountability partner or whether it's somebody that has a similar goal, right? In some of these places of blue zones around the world where there are people who have you know, high levels of life expectancy, they often have health partners, right? Somebody that is, is, is you know, um, along that journey with them of health, you understand me, and living a peaceful life. We don't have that in society whatsoever. So, you know, these episodes is us being your reminder, right? Being your health partner on that journey of saying that, listen, you're not in it by yourself. And if you're watching this episode, it's because there's an area of your life that you probably want to improve, right? There's still a lot more to go over, just getting into some more of the nuances, right? Um, and even when we talk about the levels of chemicals within our body, right? There's the health expectancy, then there's life expectancy. And, you know, the way you live life is different because everybody doesn't spend time living, right? Sometimes a person can spend 20% of their time sick, right? The time you spend living is the time you spend enjoying life, doing things that you actually want to do, having an abundance of energy, right? That's actually living, right? And then there's time where you got to spend healing from the things that you're doing that was a detriment to your life, right? So even changing the philosophies of wealth, right? Enjoyment, peace, right? Uh, relaxation, right? Like it, being intelligent to me is wealth, right? It's, it's an asset that you have within yourself. Good health is wealth. So if we can change that in a real aspect, even in throughout the hoods of America, like I want people to get out that goddamn environment. You're in environments that produce the same, you know, energy, that produce the same trauma, that's going to produce the same reaction, right? And so if you want to be, if you look at your friends and the violent ways that they've died or the paths that they've taken, stay in that environment if you want that same exact life. Stay there. But 
If you say you want something and you can imagine yourself living a better life than the one that's in the environment that produced the statistics in that environment, right? Then leave it. Change your environment. If you got a homie, I don't care if he was the biggest gangster in the world, but you know what? His habits led him down that path. I can be better than them. Even if you're trying to be better, you're evolving, right? And what we want to do at High Level Conversations is constantly push people to evolve whatever the narrative that they came from. It's about changing the environment, not allowing that environment to make you a victim of it. And when we study the past and we study the cycles and we study the history, it informs us on how to move correctly because we are immature. And instead of going through that lesson, we can study the experience of others who already went through it. So now we can act with the wisdom, the same that would have been passed down if we had elders in our community teaching us these things from baby to adulthood. So. That's the reason I wanted to have, you know, or, and I'm going to continue to have different scientists, different physicians, different doctors, different perspectives, different opinions from all around the world, from different cultures, different indigenous practitioners, different shamans, because, you know, all this information has been hidden to us and it, it, it can be manipulative when or it can when we find it on our own. Sometimes it's not the best. Sometimes we need to be guided into information. Right. You know, because then somebody can say, hey, take psychedelics, but you can take a trip that can have you sent over and going crazy. I'd rather present you with the information, the evidence, the history, the, the scientific truths about it, the shamanistic truths, all of that. So now you're making a decision from an informed place. And at the end of all of this is still do your own research. Because we are producing new levels of independent thinkers that haven't been robbed by society to be farmed into whatever their agenda is. Independent thinkers. That's what this media is all about. Yeah, I think one of the most important things is figuring out what your why is. Most people don't have a why. And for me, in the beginning, I read this book called Ikigai, and that's really what inspired me to move to Japan. But in the book, the whole meaning Ikigai is behind finding the purpose of life. And I think for us as a people, because we've been taught to not only eat wrong, but we've also been taught to live wrong. You know, everything that we've been taught about is good is actually bad for us. So whenever we say we're gonna go eat good, is really we're gonna get, go eat bad. And so I think we have to not only shift the narrative behind the importance of you know, what health means to us, but also what health means in our legacy as well too. Because the first thing that we pass down to our children is our genetics. So if your genetics say diabetes, hypertension, then you're gonna pass down the genetics for diabetes, hypertension. But here's the thing about genetics, they're light switches. So if your children eat what you ate, then they will switch on those light switches and they will also have diabetes and hypertension. If, they, if you change how you eat, then guess what? They don't switch that light switch on. And so I think it's really important that we get a true why as to what we're doing. And that could be your children. That could be the legacy you live behind. That could be to experience life on a different and higher plane. But whatever that why is for you, you got to figure out that. And then the other thing that I think that is really important when you're making the transition is to change your environment. And sometimes you can't always change your neighborhood. But what you can do is change what's in your refrigerator. You can change what's in your cabinet. 
and you can change who you buy things from. So you can find your local farmer, you can find your local markets that you can buy things from and support them. And by supporting them, it inspires them and incentivizes them to purchase more things like that and have it more available as well. Oh, y'all wanna know how Big Keys stay healthy. I get it. First of all, uh, fasting is big for me. Um, if I'm sick, if anything happens to me irregular in my body, I'm very self-aware, first of all, right? So I like to study myself, right? I haven't done the Harvest clock, um, which is the biological aging clock, which is a great measurement. So I'm going to actually do that. But, you know, for me, I study myself and I do the things that I believe are good for me, right? So, you know, I want to make sure I drink a lot of water. I work out because I want to maintain my slapping hand strength, right? Because you never know when the sucker get out of hand, so you got to keep that strong, right? So I want to make sure I work out, and at the same time, I study and learn that your muscles can deteriorate if you don't use them, right? So I want that muscle mass. I look at my father, and I study him, and I'm like, all right, do I want his same muscle proportions and skeletons? No, I want to be a little more bulkier. You feel me? So I'm working out so that my future self gets the benefit, right? On, you know, I don't eat a lot of foods, right? I'm cutting out a lot of sugar these days, right? Because I got a sweet tooth that I inherited from him and my mother, right? So as I study them, I'm realizing that that's not me. That gene is expressing itself in the manner of wanting more sugar because that's what runs in the family. I notice I feel a lot better when I eat a lot less sugars, I'm even eating less breads these days, right? Because as I be trying to work out, I want that six pack to be hitting. But then when I start eating the sandwiches and the bread, it be laying and layering on top of that, right? So decreasing a lot of the glutens and things of that nature is important to me. I don't have a specific lifestyle to where I say I'm a vegan or vegetarian, you know what I mean, or anything of that nature, but I always say I'm healthy, right? And for me, healthy is self-awareness, right? And it's also understanding that you're eating from a place um, where you're getting value out of why you're doing it. I don't want to eat from a place of trauma consumption, right? I also don't want to be, you know, it's like when you're not taking care of one area of life, I'm so busy, you can't find joy in food. I don't want to find joy in food, right? I don't want to be one of those people that, you know, is chasing flavor. No, nah, I don't want to do that, right? My food can be boring now. Right. That's why I met with life and food. Right. I eat the same thing over to keep getting those same effects over and over. Plus, now, you know, I take my functional mushrooms every single day. That's one thing that I never off. I'm always taking my cordyceps. I'm always taking my lion's mane. I got Tengak Ali, Fredagio, these things to keep, you know, the vitamin C, the smart moss, like these things to keep my levels to where I need my mind to operate at all times, right? I don't ever want to be at a point where I got brain fog because this is what really got me into nootropics in the first place, cognitive enhancement, different therapies that I try. Because I used to wake up with brain fog, right? I couldn't get access to my thoughts. I felt like I was smart, but I couldn't have recall on the things that I was studying and learn. So my memory wasn't there. So I started doing things that would enhance me to be on the journey that I am on now that would help me function at a high level, right? Uh, uh, you know, as I've been healing myself on a spiritual level, right, and addressing things as they come up has been a big thing. So as I, if there's something not right, I'm communicating that. I'm not, I think when I was younger, I was more passive aggressive, right? So even that had an effect in my health lifestyle, right? Because you become passive aggressive in the way you do everything. So no, 
whether it's in a relationship, if I don't like something, I'm communicating it now. Right? I'm going to deal with the hard emotions now. It'd be conversations I don't want to have. I got to have them now. Because otherwise that that comes up in a different kind of way where, you know, I practice escapism. I don't want to be like that. So if, if I see myself watching too much TV and like, all right, what am I escaping right now? What is it I'm supposed to be doing that I don't want to do? So I'm distracting myself with this false enjoyment, right? Because I don't want to deal with the actual emotion of work. So for me, it's facing real life. And so food is one of those things as well. And I'm also practicing to stop judging other people's food as much. I still be judging the food for show. You know what I'm talking about? For show. <laughs> but not as much. You know what I'm saying? If you around me eating McDonald's, I might smash the bag and just throw it. I'm going to be 100,000 with you. You know what I'm saying? You smoking a cigarette, I might slap you in your mouth and let the Marlboro man fall off. You know what I'm saying? I'm just keeping it a buck with you. That's just me. Don't be around me if you don't want me to stop toxicity in my environment because I can't allow you to come and mess up my tourist field. You know what I'm saying? I know my energy and my atmosphere. So I also take cold showers in the morning. You know what I mean? Especially on days where I feel like I'm late for something or I feel like I don't have a lot of energy and I want a quick spike of energy. I'm going to induce that anxiety. I'm going to do that to get that blood pressure rolling so that it doesn't come up later. Like I actually do the hard things so that I can enjoy you know, my life later. I believe in doing what's hard now so you can do things easy later, right? Do what you hate now so you can do what you love later. So if you eat foods that is bitter, it's going to, you know how much your body going to feel later on, though. You know what I'm saying? Next thing I'm about to do is do my detox, right? I'm about to go do a full body scan, right? Make sure there's no cancers in my body. Make sure there's no tumors in my body, right? These are things that black men, honestly, we don't think about, but we have the highest rate of all disease categories in America, just about. And we only number two in suicide. And that's because white boys is beating us in that area, but they don't count slow suicide, which I know black people do in coping mechanisms, such as over drug use, joining gangs, right? And all other practices that lead us towards death. Same thing with music. I'll be on my frequencies, four to seven hertz. I listen to a white noise background to increase memory and recall from information that I intake. I cut off the music because I was on the hike the other day and I heard Pound Town pop up in my head and I was mad as hell. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden I'm at the trees and I heard Pound Town. I said, what? So the music be embedded into your subconscious. So now I got the frequencies moving. You know what I'm saying? So I was tree hugging that day. I had to ground my feet and I isolated to where I just allowed my brain to, you know, daydream. Because in that process of daydreaming, your thoughts start to come to you. You in that, that, that relaxed state where your imagination is popping off. So that hiking, you know, was another thing that I did because that day I didn't want to do it. So I forced myself to go do it because I didn't want to become a person that procrastinates consistently. So I went by myself. Right. And something as little as that, taking a walk by yourself in nature, I think is the most therapeutic thing on the planet Earth. Me personally, I think if you take your shoes off and people was asking me, how come you got your socks on? Well, when you sweat, it still builds up that conductivity. Right. So you connect it to the earth anyway. So don't be overanalyzing things that I'm doing. Number one. Uh, number two, you supposed to be out there in nature. I ain't see you with your feet off in the dirt, you know what I'm saying, connected. I did a whole workout there. <laughs> I ran the hills. It was the most therapeutic because thoughts that I normally couldn't have were able to breathe now. 
I get my best thoughts in nature, I promise you. I think about things that I can't think about around other people. And then when I have those thoughts and I let them matriculate, when I come on high level conversations, it's original thinking processes, right? So when you are around environments of consistent influence and social impact on you, you think like the masses, you think like the people around, you think like the influence, but nature brings you original thoughts, right? Nature doesn't operate in straight lines. Nature allows you to go to different pathways and different neural works within your brain, and now you can operate. So that to me is part of, you know, my regimen of success. You know, just doing the things that I believe that make you alive and you don't have to live a life you have to escape from because you live in a life that you connected to. So it's flow, not friction. Again, as entrepreneurs, we are responsible for containment of a lot of information and we have to scale our businesses. So we're constantly processing information. We have to keep our mind open to new information. We have to make observations about competition. We have to be aware of our customers, right? And the times, you know, uh, entrepreneurs work in 16, 18 hours. So we need our rest. We need our recharge because we need to get right back where we left off, but we're responsible for scaling. So we even have to come back in the game, you know what I'm saying, even better than we left. So how do we do that, right? We have to have something that speeds the particular glands that are responsible for making these processes happen in our body. And in our body, the pineal gland is responsible for that. So during the daytime, it releases serotonin, and at nighttime, it releases melatonin in accordance with the planetary circadian rhythm, right? The way that we are helping entrepreneurs be a better version of themselves, we're making sure that people's most important asset, their body, is recession-proof, right? What does a recession body look like? One that has an energy deficit, right? One that is, you know, slightly uh, a few steps or seconds off, right? can't afford that in business. You can't even afford to be a split second off. You want to be totally present and slightly ahead of the game. And that's what we focus on when we focus on the brain. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.